How do you learn who you really are? It's not found in books. It's found on the battlefield. Welcome back, Battlefield of the Mind. I'm here with Chris or C. Rom. Uh, Chris, it's Romulo, right? Yes, sir. Making sure no, I, mean, I mess up people's names all day. But C. Rom is here. This guy was a Muay Thai badass. But now we're going to get into some stuff where we're helping out kids and helping out men and helping out our, our boys, you know, becoming better men. So, C. Rom, you're about to go in. And I'm like, oh, damn, this guy's about to drop gold. Let's hurry up and get started. All right. Who are we helping? You're like, we got to help kids these days. Tell me your story. Tell me that stuff, please. Uh, let's see. Where do I start? I mean, I, I was a kid that grew up in uh, in Queens, New York. Uh, grew up in a, a pretty dysfunctional household. My parents are immigrants from the Philippines. Uh, my dad was, uh, well, up until recently, was a, a gambler. Like he would sit at the kitchen table. Uh, I remember as a kid, just from the time the sun came up until the sun went down and not engaging the family in any way. And uh, my mom is, you know, she had to make up for the the loss of that in the family. So there was a lot of uh, anger on my mother's side. So I would say, yeah, I, uh, there was a lot of dysfunction in the family, but uh, I did my best uh, as a kid to fi- figure out my way. And uh, um, I'm here. And, and yeah, what I was going to say before you hit record was that, like, the reason why I speak to the youth is because I know... I want to be that voice that I wish I had when I was about 13, 14, 15 years old, where, you know, I made some decisions that kind of put me on a a real bumpy path. Let's say that. Man, that's awesome. Like, not your story is not awesome, but what your purpose and your goal from taking tragedy and turning it into something is awesome. I'm right there with you on this one. So one thing that you said is something that came up in our men's groups that I want to honor you for really quickly. Um, Part of what our creed is, is we're a brotherhood of men bound by a warrior's code of honor and mutual respect. But the next part is this is a community of leaders that train to be men that we needed at some point. Mm. And there's not enough of that thing. And that's where you're like, I need to be the man that I wish I had at some point. Like, I wish I had that leader. I wish I had that guy who would have been there for me and say, Hey man, you can do this. Or you don't have to be the kid who figures it out all alone. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be lost and, and confused and angry. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what's great is nowadays the, the information is there, but you know, I growing up in the eighties, you know, it, it, it wasn't like that, and especially in New York, you know, I didn't grow up in the worst of areas, but it was, it was a tough area. And, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of go, you know, role models. I didn't set any goals for my life. I, I was just living day by day, just this survival, you know, survival mindset, you know, growing up in Queens. So, yeah. Uh, did you have like, this is where it's tough and, and most of our guys fall into this. Did you have any positive male role models at all? Well, I mean, I, I found, you know, Bruce Lee as a mm-hmm. kid. I mean, I, I never met the guy. Obviously he passed away uh, one year before I was born, but that, that was, that was my role model. That was one of the few role models that I had, if any, uh, until in my adulthood, I actually met my, 
uh, my first mentor, I would say my, my Muay Thai uh, mentor, but going back to Bruce Lee. Yeah. It was, it wasn't just the movies that I would watch, you know, not, not just his, you know, his, you know, enter the dragon and, you know, return of the dragon. It was, it was this book that I came across. I don't remember how old I was, but it was uh, called uh, the funny enough, uh, the warrior within. Mm-hmm. And it was written by, by John little. And, you know, it wasn't a book about Bruce Lee's physical, you know, accomplishments or anything like that. It was more about his philosophy on life and how, how, you know, how, how to live life and how to be the best, you know, version of yourself that you could possibly, possibly be. And that's what really stood out for me, uh, from, from Bruce Lee, the way, the way he thought, you know, his philosophy. And if anything, he, I remember him saying that, you know, philosophy was his passion in life. He chose, but he chose to express it through martial arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same, like be like water, right. you know, things like this, like where people, people, do, they, they misunderstand. I think people who have never trained martial arts really misunderstand martial arts. Mm. Like, and this is something, like, I've actually trained for 10 years. Like, you know, I wasn't at champion. I never competed either. I wasn't trying to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm with the, I grew up in Detroit. So, like, I know how tough these city areas are. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever said, like, oh, New York, that's the easy one. <laughs> no one ever said Detroit. That's where all the nice people are. Like no one ever says these things because if you've been there, they're like, I did not feel safe there. <laughs> like <laughs> I did not like that. Like if you don't know, but in order to survive these areas, you have to become a warrior. You have to have that mentality. You have to become like, like hard, you know, and it's tough when you come to an area where like people are soft because like you speak, that's why I call it, like you probably grew up in an area where like it may not have been like the deepest, darkest hole, but it was way past the event horizon. Well, you're in the middle of the shit. You may not be in the middle, but I'm still in that garbage. And that's where I was too. I was on like, I was in the outskirts city, like it was still inner city Detroit, but it's on that the outside suburb where it's still shit, but it's not the middle of the shit, but it's still shit. I grew up two miles from Eminem. Like, just so you know, I grew up on eight mile and telegraph. I'm like, just a couple miles up is where the movie's filmed. Like, like I know where that is. <laughs> so it's like that where like, it's not a fun area. It's not a fun place. And I think that's what you're saying too, is I was in that area where what was it the middle of the, the garbage? No, but it was still garbage. <laughs> still. And, yeah. And, and growing up, like, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, the crack epidemic was just tearing the country apart. And I, I actually, you know, there was a crack house on my right in the middle of my block. And my mom would come out of the house some days, you know, stomping on empty crack vials because she was just so, you know, disgusted with, with what was going on. But, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, things were, always got worse. There's always places that you just like, you know, as, as tough as you think you have it, you step out of your neighborhood, you're just like, oh, okay, it's not so bad. You knew which road you don't go past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all do. We, you know, all of us at school, we knew. You know what roads? You're like, yeah. No, no, no. We don't go past that road. You're gonna get jumped over there. <laughs> don't, don't go past that road. <laughs> like, you know. And I think that's something I can. I, I feel like I relate with you, or a lot of people don't understand. So then you go into martial arts. And at first, tell me that Bruce Lee mindset, and like, I'll fuck you up. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get strong, so you can't hurt me anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Until you level up beyond that part. And I think we'll, we'll probably get to that. But first, let's start off with the, like, the angry young guys. Like, there's a lot of angry young men right now who are like, man, I just want to be able to fuck people up. And you're like, 
slow down there, Turbo. Why are all of these masters? Why are all of the the the, the C ROMs? Why are these guys not out kicking everyone's ass? Like, well, I mean, in my experience, and I'm sure you've learned in your own experience through martial arts, you learn the most crucial aspect of it, which is humility. Right? You you start to realize like there are people out there that know things that you have no clue. You could look at somebody and be like, yeah, okay, he might look like prey or a victim. But meanwhile, this person is probably the most dangerous person you could ever come across. So when I started learning martial arts, I learned that really quickly that you'll get humbled, you know, and you'll say, okay, you'll think to yourself like, all right, this, this martial art is saving me, but do I want to use it, you know, to, to make me a more of aggressive person. No, I, I want to use it to calm me down, like mentally and spiritually. Physically, obviously, after a you know a two-hour training session, you're automatically physically you're you're at a point where you're just like, okay, I just want to chill. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, the 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 humility is the main thing that not every martial art martial artist learns it, but I would say the majority of people learn that, okay, there's always somebody bigger and badder out there, especially on the streets, not just on the mats. Mm-hmm. It, man, it's so humbling too. My, my instructor who taught me was, uh, he was, I think like five, six, he was a little Korean guy, super light. He probably made maybe a buck 40. He was like, not a big guy at all. And I would watch him with two fingers take a guy at like six, three, two forty, and just put him to the ground. Like, like, cause he was trained special ops his whole life. He trained seals. He trained Rangers. Like he's like, I, I, I train combat training. He's this little Korean dude. And man, was he amazing. He was like 62. Like, don't get me, don't get me started. He was his, his little old Korean guy who found God and became a pastor, but he was a special ops trainer his whole life. It was amazing. So I was really blessed to train with him for years. And the humility that would come when this guy, you just, Mr. Miyagi, you just, you just two fingers and like, ah, like you're ruined. It'll catch you off guard. But then the same thing is once I started training, I trained um, in Couture's gym for a little bit. And I trained with other people across the, I've trained in other very cool places with some very cool people. I've been in the same rooms with amazing people. You can't do shit. To some of these, you can't do anything. I don't care how tough you think you are. There's some people who are just like that. I can't even tap that guy. Like you can't. Yeah, I could start in a rear naked choke and he'd still get me. Like, like, <laughs> like it doesn't. Some people are just that good. But I would also remember training with like this dude who works at Starbucks, and he's just good. He's just good. He's good. He's a small dude, but man, is he talented? You know, or this kid who works at a bookstore. Like, you don't know, and people walk around thinking they're going to go and, and be hard asses, but you don't know who's trained and untrained. And sometimes the most, like, chill dude is the guy who will tie you up like a pretzel. And, you know, it's interesting in the jujitsu world, like, a lot of the so-called, you know, they, they would self-proclaim themselves ner- nerds. Those are the guys, some of the most dangerous guys to be on the mats with. It, it's something, there's something so cerebral about jujitsu because it's it is it's like this this chess game that you know you're playing three four five steps ahead and some of these guys on the mats that you see you know if if they don't have cauliflower ear obviously you're just looking at them and you're like okay 
you know, if they don't have a belt on, if you're doing training no gi jiu-jitsu, you're like, all right, I can, I can, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to hold my own against this guy. But meanwhile, he's wrapping you up in less than 30 seconds and, and making you rethink your decisions in life. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, have you seen, I've seen videos of these guys who are like playing basketball with just random people at like the Y or whatever, just hanging out. And some guy gets a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Starts like, fuck you, man. Wants to like, wants to like, like, you know, be the big dog and start yelling at everybody. This guy's like, slow down, man. It's just a game. Slow down. It's just a game. And then he goes and starts swinging. And this dude takes it to the ground, ties his knee up. And he's like, if I just turn, you never play basketball again. Like slow down. And like, you just don't know who it is you're messing with. Cause like, it doesn't matter how mean you are or how angry you are. You can get humbled very quickly by some of these chess masters who look like a nerd, look like a dork. Mm-hmm. But he will he'll snap your knee and you'll be done forever. Like you won't forever. you won't get to play. Like you're, no. that's done. You don't get your basketball career is over. And you want just because you couldn't calm down for a second. And I think this goes back to positive male role models. So you don't have anybody who can go, hey man, sometimes you don't have to go in like a maniac. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't let the Hulk out because sometimes it doesn't work out for you. And there's consequences. Without good role models, they don't know. You know, what, what I've learned in my own experience is that without a father figure in my life, uh, you know, through my own research, uh, it's that the ego, the ego in the young, you know, male, young boy goes unchecked, right? And either we have this huge ego thinking that, all right, I'm a tough guy. I could take anybody out, whatever. You know, I don't, I don't have to worry about anybody else. It's all about me. Or you can have this low sense of ego. And what I do my best to remind the kids when I go to these uh, presentations that I, um, you know, that where I talk to these kids in these assemblies is that we can control our ego. You know, it's mm-hmm. absolutely within our control. But if you don't even have an awareness of what ego is and how it can dictate over your life, you know, that's the first step. That's the first battle you know, like you say, battle of the mind, right? Controlling, controlling the ego. But again, like these guys, you know, who, who are just like me coming up without their father or without fathers in their lives, you're just not aware. And that, that is, uh, that, that is my mission, right? To help, you know, these young men understand that we can't control ego if, if we're aware of it first and foremost. Absolutely, man. You're so right. There's a, a thing. This is actually, there's a reason why this happens. Just so you like, I don't know if you want some psychology stuff. I like going to nerd side. Yeah, of this. Yo, oh yeah, absolutely. There's a reason why we have to do this, especially as young men and no, no proper fathers like figures. And this doesn't always got dads that aren't around. Sometimes dads just work so much you right. never see them. Or sometimes dads just, they're home, but not engaged with you. Like there's still, that still happens too. Um, there's a, a couple of things here that I have like that are quotes here that we use like your ego is not your amigo is one that we lean into because mm-hmm. we have to understand what it is. But then I took something from Denzel and the on man on fire, which is there's only two kinds of people. You're either trained or untrained. That's mm-hmm. it. Like you either are trained how to do it or you're not trained how to do it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all there is. Yeah. And so in this case, training your ego, is that a thing? I have found the same answer as you. 
Yes, it is a thing. You can train your ego. You can practice things. Uh, in which case, here's the reason why we have to do this. This overconfidence that young men have to have that they believe they can do way more than they may be trained or capable of doing. You ever do a thing like I'm sure you've got skills that you have developed. You're like, check it out. You can do this and this. And you see a guy like, I can do that. Like <laughs> never did it before, but he's like, I could do that. Like you made it look so easy because you've done thousands of times for this action. Like I do a thing where I, I goof with the guys where I'll take a ball and I'll throw it behind my back with the right hand and then turn and catch it behind my back with the left hand. And they're like, that looks easy. I'm like, it took me a ton of time to get this right. There's a whole technique to this, but it looks like throw it up, throw it back. Bam. You're like easy. No one can just do this. It's really hard to catch it behind your back. It's hard to do that, especially switching arms. But it's that confidence, that overconfidence that we have that gets us chosen by a mate. We actually develop this because we want to look better than we may really be. This is like mating dance things. Mm. I want to look and appear better than I really may be so that I'm still chosen. I'm still respected. I'm still, you know, you know, not, I may be able to intimidate or keep people away, you know, just as a, a way to protect myself. This is why, if you look at why do guys have to lean towards anger? Why do we lean that direction? Why do all young men generally go that way unless they're just the depressed kid? But even that kid does. He gets shamed and bullied and picked on, which he also learns that doesn't work. Why do girls pick bad boys and not sweet guys? We're trained that this is the only damn thing that works when we're young. But it's still a false confidence. It's still the ego creating this overconfident version of us so we can still appear like a protector. We can still appear like we're confident. Like, he, he's loud. He's screaming. He must know what he wants. Mm. You know, he's not being quiet and shutting up. He's like, that's fucked up. I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. He's like, oh, he must know how it's supposed to go. He's very confident on how he thinks it should go. He, you know, he's willing to fight. That must mean he's also a good protector. I can lean into that. But the reality is, is they're doing an avoidance. And I call avoidance a void dance. Like if you break it up, add a letter, it's avoidance is avoid dance. I'm actually trying to keep you away from the weakest parts of me, the parts of me I don't want exposed, the parts of me I don't want you to know that I'm untrained. I don't have the confidence in this. I'm not skillful in this area. I don't have competence when it comes to actually being able to do these, these abilities. But I want you to think that I do so you never challenge it to see if it's true or untrue. If it's ever challenged, I shall be exposed. And I'm not fucking with that game. Hmm. And so we'll have this way over the top thing. And that'll lead us into excuses and justifications for behavior that we would break the golden rule to be able to do. This means I'll treat people the way I don't ever want to be treated just so nobody else ever treats me the way I was before. That's a no, deep that, thing right there. That's oh, a, it, very deep. I mean, it, it's, it goes back to like that thought of if you're not walking the talk, right? You, you, you talk this big game, right? That's where the ego comes in. You talk this big game, but there's no actual competence behind what you're saying. And yeah, I, I completely agree. I, that that's what got me in trouble as a kid. Absolutely, you know, I, I thought I wanted to run the streets and be this tough guy and prove how tough I was because of this fear that I had inside of me. Right, this fear of being being a victim or being prey. So I had to over 
I don't know if this is a word, but over-perpetrate that, right? That I'm a tough guy, and that's what literally got me, you know, put me into this street fight that, that changed my life forever. And, and, you know, if not for that, you know, I look back on it. If not for that street fight, like, I don't know if I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would be here in this position in my life, you know? Yeah. The, oh, man, the causality to this. What happened in the street fight? Because if it changed your whole life, man, I want to hear what happened to it. Like, what is that? So... You know, at about 15, I, I think we were talking uh, before we recorded a little that, um, you know, at 15 years old, I started abusing alcohol because of all the pain and suffering that I was feeling in my world. You know, my dad not being there for us and being completely, you know, present but absent, you know, that, that concept present but absent. Or I like to think of it as a father trauma, like you were saying, that sometimes it's not just about the dad who just gives up on the family. Maybe they're out, you know serving our country, you know, in the military, you know, or they're, yeah, they're just busting their hump trying to pay the bills and they're out working two, three jobs, you know, but, um, yeah, at 15, I, you know, I I thought the way to go was to drown my sorrows in alcohol. And it it just, if anything, I spiraled even deeper into abyss. And I did that for about seven years, you know, running the streets, getting in trouble, and it, it came to a point where at around 20 or 21 years old, you know, I thought I had to prove myself as the tough guy in the neighborhood. And one of the local knuckleheads uh, was getting off the bus in, in New York and we locked eyes. And I said, you know, I said to him, I was like, what are you looking at? And he, he reverberated and we, you know, we started scrapping right there and, Literally, he busted my face up. You know, he could he could have killed me if he wanted to. Um, luckily, somebody stepped in to stop the fight. Uh, but that that moment like changed my whole world forever. I was like, you know, I, I had to question my, myself as a man, as a human being, as as you know, as this kid that thought I had to, you know, follow in the footsteps of what I was seeing around me. That I had to be a tough guy. But I learned that, you know, that that was the perfect moment of humility for me, learning how to be humble and say, all right, this is this is not the life I want to live. I don't want to wind up dead or in jail. So I'm going to I'm going to get back to what saved me a a long time ago as an eight year old, which was martial arts. I, I gave up on martial arts at 15. And after this street fight, I decided, all right, I've got to figure out a way to to rebuild myself or rebuild my ego in a healthy way, not in a destructive way, the way I was doing it, running the streets, thinking I had to drink and smoke and, and prove myself to to all the other males in the neighborhood, or that w- that was the way I was gonna, you know, you know, find a girlfriend or somebody, you know, to to be of support of me. But yeah, that that was uh, that that was the turning point in my life where I was like, this my purpose now is to not keep spiraling man there's a lot of really cool things that you just had in that story and so one thing i like to do is like break it down the pieces so people can go like well all right so he got his ass kicked in the fight whatever you're like no you don't understand this was an existential change this was this was something happened there's a rock bottom here that was necessary that changed your entire trajectory of your life and it changed a lot of definitions it changed the definition of leader it changed the definition of strength. It changed the definition for like purpose. And a lot of things changed from one ass whooping. And 
this is why I'm always very pro. I think everyone needs to get their ass whooped because it, they don't wake you the fuck up. Like, especially with people who have big attitudes, <laughs> like you get jacked right. up real good. It, it'll te- Hold on. Maybe I should get better at diplomacy. Mm. <laughs> maybe getting fucked up is an actual possible consequence mm. and it's not as cool as it sounds. Like, that's a real thing. And so let's go back into it. Like, you know, we'll get into the alcohol at 15 stuff. I want to get back into that in a little bit. But when you were doing that thing where you're like, what are you looking at? Like, you were, you were goading. You were picking a fight. Mm-hmm. And this was what you said to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove myself by picking a fight with somebody. What an interesting system just by, by – this is monkeys at this point. This is chimpanzees going like oh, – oh, oh, and smashing some branches to show how tough you are. What an interesting system to try to show our true dominance. And that doesn't always work out. And so I, I, I do a quick lesson on this where I teach about when people pray for things. When you pray for something, you get what you need, not what you want. And so I'll give you an example. I prayed for wisdom. I'm like, I want wisdom. I need more wisdom. I need to be a better leader. I need to be a better business owner. I pray for wisdom. Do you know what teaches us the fastest? Like, what's the fastest way we learn? When you, you're asking, in my opinion, yeah, when you fall down, when you get knocked down, when you get your teeth knocked out. I mean, that, that was definitely one thing I learned through the fighting world, ring fighting, not street fighting, but through ring fighting. Yes. Mm-hmm. You learn way more when you lose than you ever do when you win. This is universal, though. This is in business. This is in relationships. This is in friendships. This is in skills. This is in anything that you do. When you lose, you learn more. You pay attention more. You're like, how did I lose? How can I learn that? We learn way more when we lose than when we win. And so here you are now, like I did that in business. I got my ass kicked in business. I was like, well, I did pray for wisdom. So I prayed to lose. (laughs) I did. I prayed to lose. I didn't know I was praying to lose. Same thing when people are like, I prayed for more money. You're praying for opportunity, but no, I just want to deposit. I don't want to have to learn a new skill or relocate or do any of that stuff. Well, here you are. I'm praying for leadership. I'm praying for dominance. I'm praying for strength. I'm praying to have like that ego shown. I want to, I want to show people who I really am. Here you are showing people. I'm going to show you who I really am. Just to have that wish granted, that prayer answered. Oh, no, we'll show you who you really are. And then you're like, oh, shit. That's who I really am at this point. And this path does not serve who I want to be. What a powerful moment. And like, we don't, we, we really take for granted that how much like the humility of losing can be that turning point in your life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Warrior, thank you so much for being a part of the information that we have. And you're part of our story as we are a part of yours. It's very much an honor to be able to connect with each other. If you want to know more or you want to get started with working with me or working with our warriors so that you can begin your path to authenticity, strength, leadership, and accountability, this is the way. Together, we are way stronger. Now you get to choose. Do you go forward or keep doing what you've always done? If you stay where you're at, hey, click on some of the stuff and follow what it is. 
We got motivational stuff. We've got podcasts. We've got more things. Just subscribe and do the stuff and we'll keep you updated. But if you want to start going in, start jumping into what our programs offer and start your journey and being the hero in your own story. It it is such it was such a blessing. I mean, at the moment it was it wasn't obviously walking around with shades on and a busted face for weeks trying to hide it from my mother, but it was such a blessing. Um and interestingly enough, uh going back to the neighbor I don't live in my old neighborhood anymore, but going back to the old neighborhood maybe a, a few months ago, I ran into a friend, uh a friend of the person that I fought back when I was, you know, 21. And, you know, I, 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 I couldn't resist. I, I, I had to talk to him and find out, you know, what's going on with this guy, you know, that I had beef with back in the day. And he, and they were cousins uh, to, uh, I, if I remember correctly and from the conversation. And to be honest, he said he lost contact with him after he, you know, he got locked up and he doesn't know if he's still alive or not. But to this day, if I, I, I pray that he's still around and that he's still trying to figure out life. But if I ever came across him, I would, I would thank him. I would thank him for that, that lesson, right? That huge lesson in humility, that huge lesson in, in, in manhood, you know, becoming, going from a boy to becoming a man, you know, that I, I like to think of it. That was my, my ritual process that, you know, it was forced upon me, not, and I didn't do it by, well, I did make the choice to say, hey, what are you looking at? But, you know, that, that was a ritual process for me to say, okay, this is what the real world is about. And I did, I almost faced death and I learned that, okay, th there are choices that we're going to make in our life, but you want to be mindful of those choices because it can lead you down like two roads, like, like what you were saying with Denzel. It's either the trained or untrained. The roads are a life of, of prospering and building and construction or a life of self-destruction. Those are the two choices that I faced in that moment. And everybody is fine with whatever one you pick. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares what choice you make. You will. But everyone else is making their own choices and their life goes on. Whether you decide to, like you said, that guy got incarcerated or if he became like the most productive part of society, life goes on, mm -hmm. you know? And so this only, it only affects how you go, but people will accept what is because there's no other alternative. They don't care what people's could have been is doesn't matter right. because that's not what is. And so people got their own, well, could be, this could be that people getting their own thing. So it's, it's powerful message that you're saying right now. It's pretty powerful that appreciation and that acceptance part to say, I met the guy who beat the crap out of me and I would thank him for doing so. Not a lot of people have that insight yet. And this is that road to mastery to be able to understand thyself. Like, man, I needed that. I didn't know I needed that. And damn, did I not want that? But I didn't know what I needed. And that woke me up. You know, that's powerful stuff. Even in my people tell me I don't tell my story very much because honestly, I don't think people really care about my story until it relates to them. Hmm. But I remember I had the same thing. We grew up in an abusive world. Like, that's why I say, like, people like you and I, like, where'd you grow up? I'm like, we grew up in Sparta. Like, 
if I said like, Hey, do you understand how respect works? And it's a life and death thing for respect. You're like, Oh fuck. Yeah, I do. Someone disrespects somebody that I've seen people die. Like that's that, this respect was like, it was top tier. And so it's probably really difficult and tell me the struggle. This is why we have to help young boys of uh, being able to transition from speaking Spartan into having a healthy pack. You know, you got your sons, you got your wife, you got your people who are like, I can't speak Spartan here because it doesn't translate. I've got five girls in this house. You know, pray for me, bro. I got five <laughs> girls in this house. None of them speak Spartan. Not one. I've got a painter. I've got a volleyball player. I've got a dancer. I've got a merchant. You know, I've got a reader. I've got these ones who are like, they're all going to speak their language. But as soon as I'm like, hur, 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 they're like, why is he screaming? Why is he screaming? I don't understand. And so like for you to say like, no, I got to help these guys who are growing up in Sparta to know how to be a true leader and not end up getting their asses kicked the way that I had to, but they can be the protector and not the provoker. Mm. I like that. You know, so this is where here you are on your journey going, I used to be the provoke, but now I need to show guys how to protect. But the only guys who are really good at protecting are the guys who are trained. And, you know, I feel like that's why my message really resonates with the kids because you're, you know, when I come into these talks, like, you're not, I'm not speaking from textbooks, right? You're speaking experientially. Like, I, I've been through it, right? And I, I really feel like, not just the boys, but even the girls, right, that are in these presentations, like, they're like, oh, okay, he's been through it, right? He's been where we have been. And what, what I, the message that I bring to these kids, I call it champions uprising or the champ up, you know, movement, right? Because that, that moment in my life where I, I, I literally was facing death, right? I was facing not only just death, but I was facing the dictators, right? That's what put me in that position. I call them the seven dictators. It was self-doubt, fear, disappointment, the hardship my own confusion, my ego, and my self-talk is what put me in that position. And what I might do my best to tell these kids is that we all face these dictators on a regular basis and they don't go away. But again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's the awareness that we want to have, who the real fight is against. And I know you've talked about that. You talk about that as well. The battle of the mind, the bat, the, the real fight is not on the outside. It's not society. Well, depending on where you live, but it's not society. It's not your teachers. It's not your friends that are, or your parents that are against you. It's what's going on inside of you that we want to help these kids, you know, understand so that they can arm themselves to, for this, this fight of life. I call it the fight of life. And, and you want to be, you want to uncover this champion that you have within you. We're all born with this champion spirit but it gets covered up by these dictators, these yep. events in our lives. And that's, and that's what happened to me. I, I let all these things, uh, you know, hold me down and dictate over my life. But once I became aware through this moment in time where I had my face smashed, I was like, okay, I have a choice. Now, now what am I going to do with this? 
you know, with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that, that is, it's, it's, and it's still not easy, right? It's, it's always a daily fight. It's an everyday struggle to wake up and say, all right, I'm not going to let these dictators hold me down. I'm, I'm going to find, I'm going to remind myself of my values, which as a kid, I didn't have any values. Most people don't know their values. Right, right. <clears throat> when I do now, value training, most people yeah. get it wrong even when we do it. Yeah. When I when I challenge your true values, they'll think it's going to be like, like faith and money. Mm-hmm. And then I get into it and I realize it's really like growth and security. You know, it's like not even the same thing. I'm like, yeah. no, it's not at all. But I, I don't mean to stop you. I want to, I want to push you far further here. This is you're, you're, I don't think people are understanding if they're listening to this for the first time that you are putting massive amount of wisdom in a very short amount of sentences here. Like it's, this is where I, I have a video called like the answers are not the solutions. And today I want to go into like a bunch of answers together but the transformation is not an information. And this is why they have to work with you or work with me. So like I do this all the time and I, I noticed, I already caught on that you do it too. I, I call it Mr. miyagi people. This is where like, like I'm going to tell you, you gotta, you gotta paint the fence and here's how you wax on wax off. Or even if you go with, you know, you can go in with, with uh, Jackie Chan and I put the coat, hang up the coat, put the coat on the ground. I don't care which way you go on this. It doesn't look like what you're doing is really a thing until you start going like block these punches and you're like, wax on, wax off. You start seeing there was, I was teaching you the muscle memory. I've noticed already with the way that you talk that you probably Miyagi people a bunch, but this is something because you have learned how to do it, not because there's a certification to do that. And this is where I'm going to keep, I'm going to actually, I want to get into some badass stuff today. I only got five. I got doubt, disappointment, fear, confusion, ego. What were the two that I missed? Oh, wait. Uh, you said so, so fear. Got fear. Self-talk. Self-talk. And I got fear, doubt, disappointment, confusion, ego, self-talk. I'm missing one. Hardship. 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 This is what I want to do. If that's okay with you, I want to get into some of these and you go as deep as you want or as surface level as you want. This is your stuff, but I want to do correlation on what we can do where the answers are not the solutions. I'll give all the answers for how to beat these things mm-hmm. and you give answers on how to beat these. Let's with our powers combined, let's make our own captain plan to hear our own Voltron. Let's give people some answers. Like if you're in, I'm in. This is awareness training. It's choice training. Uh, my first book, I don't know if you saw, is everything is a choice. Mm-hmm. And like it gets into the the stoic points of view of what is. So that way you can choose how to handle it. I do still believe even after I have challenged it in every direction, everything is still a choice. You're like, well, you can't control the rain. I'm like, but you can control what you wear that day. Mm-hmm. You know, you can control, you know, how you handle the situations and that's us, how we handle it. So accountability falls on us often. Doubt, fear, like self-talk, disappointment. I want to get into some of these and then let's give some of the tools. I want your tools. I'll give my tools and we'll see if we can pull some of these young guys out of some hell. All right. So pick, with- pick your, pick your favorite one. We Let's go through these and like, let's pick, pick your first one. Who are we killing first? I would say hardship. Hardship. Let's hardship. I, I like to think of hardship as the top of the the pyramid of these dictators, right? Because hardship 
can lead to your self-doubt and your fear and you feel like disappointment is holding you down. So I would say hardship. And the reason why I say that is for me, the hardship, the earliest hardship I faced when I was a kid was at eight years old was witnessing my dad. Yeah. Witnessing my dad literally give up on the family. Like he was completely disconnected. He, my mom never heard, I love you. My mom never heard happy, happy anniversary. He, he took me to the basketball, basketball court one time in my life. And, you know, virtually after that, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, I was, it was just me on my own for the rest of the rest of my, my childhood in the, in Queens village. So the hardship, I, I always say this is the hardship can become our purpose in life, right? If you choose, like you're saying, it's a choice. I could have let that hardship hold me down. And I did at some points in my life where I was making all these decisions that were spiraling me, you know, it, to who knows where I would have wound up if I didn't, you know, change uh, directions. Or I remember, I'll never forget this. When I was a kid at eight years old, I, I you know, I was lucky enough. I was blessed enough to have the awareness at, at eight years old to say to myself, witnessing my dad give up that I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to figure out a way to make a name for the Romulo family because my dad wasn't doing it. And my mom was angry and trying to make up for the loss and the void in the family. And I, I remember telling myself, I'm going to figure out a way. I didn't know how. I didn't know what I was going to do. But I just knew that I was going to eventually, you know, I w that was my goal. That was my vision, my purpose, right? So hardship can become your purpose if, again, if you're able to sit there and let that hardship and feel it, right? And really sit in it and say, okay, this doesn't feel great, but what can I do about it? What choice can I make to make sure that this is not, this hardship is not going to keep holding me down? So I, I would say that's, uh, that's the main message when it comes to, uh, dealing with hardship and, and trauma in your life. Love it. Good. This is a good start too. I like, I like this at the core of it. Um, I'm going to concur. I agree with where you're at. I haven't heard a disagreement point yet. I'm just going to add to like, this is just, this is a beautiful starting point. Um, it's one thing I want to grab on that you said is a lot of times you'll find your purpose through what it is that was difficult. You had to go through, you know, and it's true. Like this is where a lot of times this is where you get into the belief system parts of like, uh, oh man, everything happens to me. Everything happens to me. And then we've seen that shift. Even Tony Robbins gets into like shift from happening to you to happening for you, which by the way, I'm sure you, I don't know if you've gotten this far or how far you are yet, but that's not the end. There's two more at least like that go beyond that. And so when people start hitting their own walls as next levels, I've had guys even this morning, like, what the fuck am I missing? I'm past that part and I don't know what it is. So anyways, if you feel like that's the end of the journey as life's happening for me, it's just one of the steps. Just going to put that out there for you. Like, is that it? This is just, you just need this one next, but you see victim mentality. This always happened to me. This always happens to me. This always happens to me. The road to leadership is paved with shit. This is something that people think that leadership is a name tag or leadership is a promotion. 
No, leadership is earned by traveling the shittiest of roads. Mm -hmm. So that way, when other people are going through shit, you can say, I know where you're at. I've had to go through that shit. And this is the road to leadership is not found in books. It's found on the battlefield. This is why we say what we say for the battlefield of the mind. Why is Chris Romulo worth following? You're like, because he's traveled pretty fucking far on this shit road. And so he's gone far enough to know which turns don't work. That's the point of hardship is because you may find that the more shit you go through, you'll find your purpose is, is to keep helping more people get out of shit. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like a very fun purpose. God does not ask easy things. My job, what I really do, and this is something that I've read a lot of books. I've written books. The stuff that I've learned is not the same as how your purpose really works. My next book is called The Map Out of Hell, The Reason Why, is I go into hell to get people. And then I take all of the trauma from the abuse, the abandonment, the rapes, the fucking maniacal things people have done, the molestation, the, the abandonment, the ridicule, the embarrassment, the all the shame. I take all of this, this pain and I take that from people. I get that off of them so they can move again. I get them out of hell. But then I got to take that somewhere. I take it to God and I'm like, you got to take this mountain of pain, take this shit what kind of shit job is that? I have to go into living nightmares to pull people out. The reason I can do that is because you and I have something in common. We grew up in hell. So we're the most qualified to go in there and get them. Because I like, yeah, I live two blocks from where you're at. I know where you're at. I'll come get you. Just have your shoes ready. I'm not carrying you. <laughs> you know, just just know this. Well, this means when you went through difficult things and found your way out, this makes you more qualified than any certification or any degree there is because you know the road. And I've seen a lot of people who follow people who have a credential versus experience. And they end up, I, I do a joke often and you can probably, you'll probably laugh at it. You can steal this, by the way. I just made it up where like you'll see people all gathered by the ruins of a broken bridge in hell. And they're just filled with shame and depression and feeling just down on themselves. And you're like, hey, we're grabbing a couple people. We're getting out of here. We're like, what are you guys doing here? Why is everybody standing over here? We're like, oh, we're in this program from Dr. So-and-so. And they said we're supposed to go over the bridge here so we can get out of hell. And, like, they've got a lot of credentials and they sound very confident in what they're saying. So this must be true. And I'm like, there ain't no bridge here. They're like, no, no, he says there's a bridge. And I just got to get over this bridge, but I must be doing it wrong because I can't get over it. And so it just kind of perpetuates the reason why I'm even in this is because I'm a piece of shit. I'm never good at anything. I don't deserve a happy life. I can't follow the simple instructions of just go over the bridge. I must be the piece of shit. And I'm like, there hasn't been a bridge here in decades. What are you talking about? No. Where did they get this information? They're like, well, he's got his own book and he's got his own things that he said there should be a bridge here. I don't think he's ever been here. How can someone who's never been in hell tell you how to get out of it? He's just going to, well, it says here in chapter two, uh, you're su they're supposed to you just go right over it. You just walk right out. Like, no, the real path out of hell is we got to go past the pits of despair. 
Then we got to go through the swamps of fucking misery. We got to go through fear. We got to go through doubt. We got to go through distractions. We got to go through excuses. You got to watch out for each of these. You have to find yourself through here. And if you, until you do those things, you can't get out of here. There's no bridge. This is just a hole that people will fall down if they just say, watch out for faith, by the way. Because if he says, no, you just have to trust me. There's a bridge there. And you'll watch people just fall right into the fucking pit. And you're like, that's not the fucking way out of here. That's how you go further in. You don't trust that shit. They've never been there before. This is why when I talk with people who have PhDs and they've written multiple books and done shit, I'm like, let me ask you something, man. Have you actually been in there? And some people have. And some people haven't. And they're just talking out of their ass on what it should be versus understanding it by itself. The road to leadership is paved through the hardship that you've overcome. And I'm right there with you, man. The way that I found my purpose was not because I read it in a book, but it's because I had to go through and find a, a way out of the worst fucking pain that I've ever known. And now I can go back there and get people. And it sounds like that's where you're at. This hardship showed me my purpose. Like, there's a lot to that. Rock bottom is such a funny thing, man. You ever notice how people try at all costs to avoid rock bottom? Absolutely. It's amazing, right? Tell me there wasn't a better moment in your life, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the concept that I like to think of, and, you know, you talked about being a nerd earlier, and I, I'm, I'm a quote nerd. Uh, I, I live my life on the, the proverb, uh, the Japanese proverb of fall seven times, stand up eight. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's a must. It, you know, obstacles aren't in the way. They are the way. Correct. Right. This is, these are stepping stones. What's, uh, what's the thought? Uh, I think it's another Bruce Lee quote. Uh, don't, I don't pray for this, uh, you know, an easy life. I pray for the strength to endure a tough life. I might be messing up that quote, but yeah, like, what are you learning if, if it's one smooth paved road that you're walking down on a daily basis? You want to be off the beaten path. You want to figure out your own way. You want to learn how to traverse the streams and the rocks and the hills, right? Because that, that's what life is for each and everybody. If you're, if you're walking this planet, you're, you're on a, on an eternal hike, that is, it's going to be plenty of ups and downs. Like, and if you're, if you're walking that paved road, what are you really learning? Right. You're not building any mental strength. You're not building any physical or spiritual strength. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It, it's, uh, the, the airplane doesn't take off with the wind. It takes off against the wind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This gets at that choice thing. When you said I've, I found it too. Choices are at the core of all of it. Yeah. So how are you going to handle it? And that's at the core of everything. It's not what happens. It's how you choose to handle it. Mm -hmm. It's at the core of everything. As there's a moment, too, when your old belief system falls apart and I can't keep doing what I used to do. There's a moment. Good. Good. I'm glad when it all fell apart. I'm glad when your belief system revealed itself as bullshit. I'm glad you're having a hard time. I'm happy for you. Proud of you. Because you're going through the stuff that makes you you. 
I'm really glad that you're having a tough day today. How are you going to handle it? This is going to reveal you. This is a, I call this the Epictetus compass. Mm-hmm. Now you can see, I've already mentioned three stoic philosophers, just even just in like in the sentence here, but Epictetus, one of my favorite quotes, I even built an entire uh, coaching piece for a tool for, for this. Uh, Epictetus had a quote that says your situation uh, let's see, a situation doesn't determine a man, it reveals him to himself, mm-hmm. like yeah, your circumstances. Like what's happening, that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. What's happening will reveal who you are to yourself. How did you handle that? Are you a fucking hothead? Are you a lunatic? Are you a crybaby? Are you a blame thrower? Like it'll tell you who you are. Who you are will reveal itself by the choices that you make when a circumstance shows up. And so this is the point where like the choices reveal who you are, even in a rock bottom moment. And that's when the choices that you've been doing can no longer continue without you seeing a foregone conclusion. That means I now with 100% certainty see where that road goes and it goes right to a place I don't want to be. So I have to do something different. This is an existential moment. Rock bottom is important and we avoid it at all cost. You know, you bring me to uh, the thought from uh, seven habits of highly effective people that we, we can choose our paradigm, right? Like if the old paradigm isn't working, choose to change that paradigm. So your path changes, your world changes, your life changes, mm-hmm. or you could stay stuck and keep spinning in circles. You know, that's, that's where that dictator of confusion, that, I would say that, if anything, that would probably be the second one to talk about confusion. Let's do it. I think we've got hardship in this. Right. Is, if you haven't gotten hardship, uh, book a call with Chris, <laughs> book a call with Rick. We'll get in farther. Like, this is good. Like, okay, hardship. Let's go to confusion. I'm, I'm excited. So confusion is that, that spiraling, that spinning in circles of your, you, you want to do the right thing, but you don't know what the right thing is, right? So for me, that happened at, at 15, right? Where I was like, all right, I'm drowning in, in sorrow and pain because I don't have a father figure in my life. And, you know, seeing other people have fun, you know, at a party, literally it just happened at a party, at a, a friend's party down the block, seeing people having fun, drinking, you know, 15 years old, I thought everybody you know, was just happy, happy go lucky. But obviously I'm watching them drink and get drunk. So I'm like, okay, I want to feel like that. Right. I want to, I want to do what they're doing. Cause if they can have fun because I'm so miserable in my, in my world, let me try what they're doing. And from that first drink, you know, it, 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 it actually did the opposite. I wasn't a happy go. If anything, I became more angry. I became more belligerent and if anything, you know, aggressive and violent. So the confusion was thinking the way for me to to move past my pain was to drown my pain. But again, I, I'm I didn't have the wherewithal to make the decision that was going to lead me again again down that constructive road. That if anything, I was self destructing uh, as I was you know making those choices in my life, winding up on the street, passing out kicking my parents out of bed, you know, not knowing where I was, you know, in, in a drunk stupor. So yeah, confusion is, I would say the next dictator that kids 
adults, we all need to, you know, like you're saying, what choices, you know, what choices am I going to make when this confusion starts to kick in in my life? Do I want to choose self-destruction or do I want to, I, I, th- I like to think of it as uh, anabolic. Am I going to build something, this anabolic mindset? Awesome, man. So far, we are we are in alignment. I'm. I oftentimes look like, all right, can I agree or disagree? So far, and so far, I'm like, yep, correctamundo. Crom seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> Let's get in. All right, so I I call this one. This is in uh, lesson twelve for me. This is what do you want? One of the hardest questions in the world to answer is what do you want? Mm. Like people think it should be easy. It's a really hard question, and it makes sense it's a hard question. Look at the way that our societal structures are set up. Ever since you were a little kid, you listen to your parents, and then you listen to your teachers, and then you listen to your coaches, and then you listen to your bosses, or you listen to your spouses. You're always listening to somebody. There's always somebody who's telling you what you're supposed to do, right? So, you know, as a little kid, we have these big dreams, 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 until we start catching the reality of life. And when those dreams that you wanted to be a firefighter or a paleontologist or an astronaut, that shit really quickly turns into working at a factory, you know, working at fast food, you know, getting some job that just pays the bills. It's like, what happened to the dream? Well, reality starts to chip away at that because we weren't thinking about what we want. We were being told what we need to do. Now take into account if you have to take care of others. You know, somebody's sick in the family, take care of a family member, a parent or something like that. Or if you have kids real young and you got to take care of other people. Like, well, now you went from I'm being told what to do to now what do you need that I can help you with? And you still have never been flexing this muscle of what do I want? I've always been told what to do or helping other people with what they need. So it makes sense when I go, well, what do you want, Chris? And you're like, no one's ever asked me that before. How the hell am I supposed to know what that is? This leads to massive confusion. I've only ever been helping others or doing what I was told. But now that I'm old enough to challenge, I'm realizing the people who were teaching me who were doing their best were unqualified to teach me. I was learning from unqualified teachers. This is just their opinions. And I'm really struggling with their opinions becoming authentic for me. So what do I want? Hell if I know. So then we end up in this really tough thing where when we aim at nothing, we hit it every time. That's Zig Ziglar. When we aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Here we are aimlessly trying to be our best, but we cannot make a choice that we don't know exists. You can't choose what you aren't aware is there. And so here you are doing your best without good mentors, without good trainers, without anybody showing you the best way to actually have a successful mindset. And you're trying to make the best choices with what you know, but I don't know very much. I've only been exposed to this much. And I'm trying to make the choices within this tiny little amount of experience that I have so far. But it's there's no right way out. And you see, go ahead and compare to things that you know that you don't know. I know there's millionaires. I have no fuck idea how they do that, but I would like that. I don't understand that, though. 
I know there's people who do all these different things. I don't know how they do that, but I know it's there. There's guys that own private jets. There's guys that own businesses. There's guys that are successful. There's guys on Wall Street. I don't know any of that stuff, but I know of that stuff. You're like, so what am I supposed to do with this? I don't understand enough to be able to do that creates more confusion because why are these people able to do so good and you aren't when you're stronger you work harder you're a go-getter you're you try to do your best but you're not even coming close to people who you're like oh fuck that dude up (laughs) like it doesn't matter though it doesn't matter there's things you don't know you don't know at one point in my life i thought it mattered but yeah it's you know being tough uh, being a tough guy works in the ring right Maybe mm-hmm. works in the street, but being a tough guy for your family and being a tough guy in life doesn't always get you what you want. I'm definitely learning that the hard way, but uh, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so, Can I ask you a question on, yeah. on being a tough guy? Have you noticed that the tougher you are, the less you have to flex? Yeah, because you, you – I, I put it like this. Confidence comes from competence. Correct. Right? If you feel like you can, in in a life or death situation, self-defense situation, if you feel like you can handle yourself, that's going to radiate out of you. And what do we know about people that want to prey? Like, what, what do we know about predators? There's There's three things they want or don't want. They don't want to get caught. They don't want something to take too long and they don't want to get hurt. So in that context, yeah, like the, your competence is going to, is going to, is going to breed that confidence in you to Correct. keep, keep the predators away. That's one thing, but also you don't have to become a predator and look at somebody and say, what are you looking at? Right. Because the stronger you are, the less you need to flex. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was, I was in Vegas and I was, I was still training with my uncle out there too. And we were, we were there hanging out with Martin Campman, who's like yeah, one of the top five jujitsu guys in the world. Like he's fucking yeah. badass. Yeah. And I remember hanging out with him and you'd think that somebody who's in like the top, top percentage of like, like, like martial arts is going to be like, so yeah, I got this guy in this hold and yeah, I grabbed him here and, th- and it turned in. I could have broke it, but I didn't. And you know, anybody who wants to mess around, I'll tie him up, you know? zero conversation about combat. The whole conversations we're having is about, he's got his little girl's second birthday and he's super pumped about it. And he can't wait to, we got birthdays and we got a clown coming. I'm probably going to dress up in something funny for her. Like this guy who's a world-class warrior can't help but talk about a little princess's birthday. Like that's his most exciting part of the day is talking about being a little in my princess's birthday. She had a princess birthday. So he's like, oh man, we're going to have a little ball thing and a tea party. And it's going to be awesome. This guy, this guy will wrap up almost anyone on earth into a, in a bow. And here he is just excited to dress up for a two-year-old's birthday. The tougher the guys are that I've met, the guys who are world-class badasses are like the most cool dudes ever. They don't talk about fighting. They're not talking about flexing. They don't need to beat anybody up. I have same thing with the military. The guys who I know who are like truly fucking badass, they're not talking about fucking people up all the time because there's nothing to prove. I've already done all the things that prove everything. I don't need to do that. And so you see these guys who are being calm and cool. We're like, no, no, let's calm it down. In fact, they're the number one to diffuse, not to escalate. 
And this is where I've noticed that the more trained somebody is, the less likely they are to say, what are you looking at? They're the first one to go, like, hey, hey, calm it down, calm it down. Right, we're good, dude. We're good. Just because I've, I've talked to guys who own martial arts studios also who are like, oh, fuck me, dude. I don't want to have to do what I can do to you. Because once you really hurt somebody, I've broken people's bones. I've knocked people out. I'll be real, dude. You don't feel great when you're done. I felt terrible when I, like, I broke guys' bones. I felt really bad. That lesson learned, he didn't, that person doesn't do that shit no more, so the world may be a better place. But snapping somebody's stuff who, like, was just, maybe they were just drunk or being an asshole or, like, I've knocked people out where I'm like, yeah, maybe a little too far. <laughs> like, probably didn't, I probably could have just suppressed that guy and it would have been fine. Like, I, felt, I didn't feel great afterwards. Now, if it was a protection situation, it didn't hurt my feelings. But if it was just some guy who was like, just needed a lesson and I just went overboard because I wanted to prove myself and my skill, I didn't feel that like sense of badassery. I felt terrible. Maybe, maybe you have a different, you know, perspective. I'd like to hear your point of view. No, I definitely agree because it's interesting when uh, I'm a referee now, I'm an official in the sport of Muay Thai. And, you know, you're in the ring with these guys, you know, guys and girls, you know, scrapping it out. And, you know, in the crowd, you, you hear these, you know, you hear the crowd wanting to see more action or they, they want to see people getting knocked out. But when you've been knocked out yourself or when you've been in the ring and you know what's going on, like it, it comes down to uh, like literally a, a biological thing. When you know what's happening to the human body. You don't you don't want to see that happen to people. I don't want to see fighters get knocked out, right? Because I know what's going on, you know, in somebody's brain. I know what what's happening when they're taking too many low kicks or taking too too many knees to the body. Because I've been there, right? So the last thing you want to do is hurt somebody because you you know what's biologically happening to them when you're using you know these skills against somebody and it's interesting to see people who have never been there cheering them on knock them out knock them out like you know you know what he can win this fight without knocking them out all right it's exciting for for the general crowd but they just don't have that you know going back to that they don't know what they don't know they don't know what's happening to a brain when when a guy's lights are getting put out you know or their head is bouncing off of the canvas, or they're getting cut with an elbow. You know, it, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Like it's, you you don't, you never want to have to use. It's it's like health insurance, right, or life insurance. Mm -hmm. You never want to have to use what you know, but it's there for you just in case. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 part of. The, I think there's confidence in the competency of understanding that I can be a protector and not be the provoker, not be an aggressor. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and so like, like I said, I'm, re I'm relating highly with your message. And this is like, these are experiences talking. Like, you know what it feels like to eat a knee to the stomach. Mm -hmm. That sucks a lot. <laughs> like it sucks. You, you've been hit in the liver. I don't want to get hit in the liver because I've been hit in the liver. And I hated the whole thing. <laughs> like, it sucks. They're like, you know what those are. You, you don't feel tough when you take a liver shot. I don't give a shit how badass you are. You drop. Like, <laughs> so you're watching. Me. Hit them while they're down. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. Slow down. <laughs> that was enough. Trust me. 
but also like the permanent damage that comes from concussions. There's stuff that's also serious stuff. The people who you like to watch fight, you don't realize that that one thing that you, if you listen to people who don't understand, if you, if you follow the screaming mob, if you follow the confusion, it can do something where they will like, yeah, that guy got knocked out. He's a piece of shit. His career is over, but they were following the confusion. And now that guy's got a permanent disability that nobody will give a fuck about who is in that crowd. I mean, it's happened to friends. I've seen it happen. Like, yeah, they're, they're in exciting fights and they're putting on a show for the crowd. But meanwhile, this guy's whole life is turning around because now he's got bleeding on the brain and he can never get hit in the head again. Or he took too many shots to his, to his sinus cavities and they, they caved in and now there's a metal plate in his face and he'll never be able you know, to walk through a metal detector the same again. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we don't understand the price to it. There's a lot of things we don't know we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we there's uh, it, this gets into the next part of the confusion, like where it gets into well, how are we supposed to learn things that we don't know if we're not exposed to things that we didn't know we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And this is when you talked about the driving in circles, like the spinning, the spinning, the spinning. Mm-hmm. I, I did an analogy, especially when I teach my coaches. I hope this helps somebody when if they're actually a coach out there. When you see somebody who's going into a generational curse, they have like, this is how my family does it. And they're driving in circles. There's no doubt you're putting in the work. There's no doubt you're filling up your tank with gas. And there's no doubt you're putting in the hours. But it's like driving with your wheel turned all the way to the right. And so they're driving and they're going in circles and circles and circles. And they're like, man, why does it feel like even though I'm putting in eight hours, 10 hours, 14 hours a day, I just feel like it's in the same spot for years, man. It's like, well, you are putting in all the gas. You're putting in the time, you're putting in the work, but you got your wheel turned all the way to the right. No wonder you're still in the same spot. You know, it's like Arnold, when you said the beginning of Conan the Barbarian, pushing that giant thing around with that big track in there when he's worshiping Crom. I'm going back there again. All right. Anyways, <laughs> so it's going the same circle over and over and wondering why am I not further along? And when we start coaching people, you can't just say, turn the wheel straight. This is where the answers are not the fucking solutions. They are not. It's going to create more confusion because they're going to be like, I don't understand. Like you can't just turn the wheel straight and then start going because I don't know where I'm going yet. I've only ever gone to the right my whole life. And that's the right way to go. Do you know how I know? I'm turning the wheel right. So I know it's right. See, look, all the way to the right. I'm right. See what I'm doing with the words here? And so in which case, if you go, let's do this. Keep doing it the right way but just do it a little bit less. And they start going like, whoa, I was going and the view changed a little bit. Like what was different? I was hitting a bigger circle. You're like, yeah, right. Pretty crazy. He's like, there's no way. All right. There's no way turning it less right would be right. It seems crazy, right? All right, let's do this. Go a little further. And then they start going way bigger circle. They're like, I'm starting to see new stuff, man. I'm seeing more of the world. I'm starting to understand a little bit more because I'm seeing further. You're like, we're right, man. You're right. Let's do something real crazy now, okay? You're like, what is it? What I want you to do is go straight and then back. You're like, what? That's, is that a thing? You're like, it's going to be fucking nuts, dude. And they're like, okay. So then they go straight like, ah, and they go, okay. And now they're further up and now they're doing circles. And like, I'm doing circles now in a place that's totally different. You're like, right? 
Now let's do it this turn, this turn. And then they start doing ovals. I'm like, I'm doing a different shape now. Wait a second. What else is possible? And then you break them past that point where all of the things that we're doing right now, it's all new. It's all weird. It's all confusing. I don't understand yet until you get to the point where you switch a belief system over to where like maybe it is possible to do something different than what I've always done as my default program. Maybe, maybe what I've always done isn't all there is to do. Now I'm listening. Now they can go, all right, all right, see, Ram, what do I do here? Chris, where, what do I do? Now? I'm listening. I'm not fighting anymore. Now I have the humility. Now I have the, the, I've gone through enough now where like I'm open to listen to the right way to go because the way that I was doing that I thought was turn all the way right, which was right, is actually not getting me anywhere new. So how do I do this? And you're, like, you're going to have to follow this GPS now. And you're like, so what's in there? You're going to, you're going to be really fucked up. What's coming up? You're like, what is it? There's a left turns coming up. And you're like, what? I ain't never done a left turn. I've only ever gone right. You're like, I know. You're going to get blown away when you learn that there's lefts. And then you start seeing people get real proficient at driving. And then you start wondering, how did this person become a leader? They were always ever going in circles their whole life. It's because they had the humility to break through the confusion. So that way they could learn lefts too. And they can go straight. Hell, they even learn reverse. That's wild. And this is when you start going, well, that person's somebody whose car I want to be in. Why? Because they're going places. I love that. That, And it goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? Uh, destination. Having a destination or a purpose. You, you keep driving in circles because you, you don't really have a destination. You just, you kind of jumped in the car and you're like, oh, let's just go for a joyride, right? Let's take it for a spin and see what happens. But we know what happens with joy rides. <laughs> <laughs> ends up leaving with fucked up stories. Is what it ends yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. But that's the point for the confusion is here we are. We don't know what we want. We think we're doing everything right. And if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. You're not actually going anywhere. You're just doing what you know. But at some point, you have to have that hardship humility of you don't know what you don't know. And maybe you're not the center of everything. How you feel? You feel good with that one? Or you got more yeah. for confusion? No, no, that, that, that pretty some, I, I like the analogy of driving in circles to the right. That's, uh, I, if you don't mind, I might use that. It's all yours, brother. Listen, we're all here to help out your, our, our yeah. men. And, and if yeah. you're going to, if you can use anything that is, I'm going to give you decades of things I've found. I'm going to combine our powers today. I'm taking what you've got. I'm taking what I've got so we can help more guys. Yeah. The answers here, this is where people are going to be like, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. What you're going to do though, this is like you saying, like you have to be able to like drop, throw an elbow in. You got to, this is how you do the knee and you're talking about it, but the answers aren't the solutions. You're going to have to work with us to get the missing pieces. Mm -hmm. So let's keep giving answers. Mm -hmm. They need to know that there's things I know I don't know. So they can come to us to train. How do I do? How do I actually apply this? So like that's where I'm like, I'll give all my answers out. Yeah, yeah, I, actually, I don't know if you heard that from, uh, that was Gary V. I was like, fuck you, Gary V. You can tell <laughs> Gary V. I said that too. I was like, fuck you, Gary V. He, <laughs> he said some video where it was like, uh, um, give all your stuff away for free. 
And I was like, I've written books, I've built programs, I do stuff. There's no way I can just give everything for free. It doesn't really make any sense until I've gotten so far in doing what I do that I'm like, even if I gave it to you, you couldn't do it without me. Mm -hmm. It's not because I'm so great. It's because it's the Mr. Miyagi thing. If I told you paint the fence, that makes you a good martial artist. You're going to be like painting the fucking fence. I'm painting the fence. And you're like, no, no, no. You have to do it like this. And then like this, then like this then like this and you're like oh i hear i was just slapping paint all over the place i thought that's what it was and you're like see the answer is technically paint the fence but the way you paint the fence teaches you the technique and that's why the answers aren't the solution yeah all right let's go to the next thing we got we got confusion down hardship down what's your next one you want to we want to kick some ass on well the biggest one i feel like we all face on a daily basis, I would say is fear. Yeah. Let's get fear. I love fighting fear and fear. Right. I, I, I don't want to use all the acronyms that, that most people, you know, I've heard about. Let's blow them up. Let's knock them out of the way. If someone's using a bullshit acronym or something that's not complete, let's go ahead and expose it. Well, I, I learned this actually, uh, this acronym through uh, Tony Blauer. I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Blauer. He's a world-renowned self, uh, self-defense specialist, and he likes to think of fear as false expectations appearing real. Okay, I've heard this one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we we see a situation come up in our life, and and for me, it was uh, public speaking, right? I I have this. I've had this fear since I was in the 11th grade, literally junior year of high school, where I knew going into the 11th grade, I was going to have speech class, right? I showed up for speech class uh, first day of school and I tried to sit way in the back of the class, hoping I could kind of like hide and, and just be, uh, you know, indiscreet, incognito. And one by one, my teacher was calling up students to come up to the front of the class and, you know, talk about what they did over the summer. And I came up or my teacher called my name and I literally took a deep breath. I walked up to the front of the class and right before I was going to blurt, I don't even know what I was going to blurt out, the bell rung, Mm. right? And I walked out of class. I I, I thought I got away scot-free, but obviously the next day I had to come back and I did it. I never came back for class. I cut out the entire semester and you skipped the whole semester, the whole semester. Yeah. And I I use this story with the kids because it, it, it is the perfect example of fear. Like I had all these expectations of what was going to happen, right. By showing back up for class the next day that I was going to say the wrong thing. I was going to look stupid in front of my friends or, you know, I would stumble over my words and that fear, that false expectation appeared real to me and it caused me to say, all right, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to show up and make a fool of myself. So goes back to what you were talking about for each and every dictator that we have a choice. We can let that fear hold us back from what we really want to accomplish. All I want to do is pass the class and not have to go to summer school and make the class up. Right. But I did it. I made the choice to say, I'm going to, I'm going to run. Right. And we, there are three things that happen when fear kicks in, right? We've, there's fight or flight or freeze. And I ran. 
I ran from it. And the, again, the, the whole, the whole message for fear is like, there, there are things that we should really fear in our lives. Obviously things that can physically harm us. I, I say, you know, fear deranged human beings, wild animals and natural disasters, right? But everything else are stories that we make up in our head of what's going to happen. And nine times out of 10, those stories don't come true. So I, that's, that's what I feel about fear when it comes to describing it to middle schoolers who we, they all feel fear on a regular basis. Maybe it's fear of the, the kid that's making fun of them at the, and, you know, at, at lunch or fear of, uh, you know, a parent who's, who's being aggressive and dysfunctional, right? All right. Yeah. These things can technically harm us, but we have a choice. Do we want to sit in our fear or do we want to say, okay, how can I move forward? How can I, how can I find another way? Mm -hmm. It's tough. It's tough for kids, man. Is it tough for kids? Yeah, absolutely. They they just don't have enough to process what it is yet. And this is not a slight against children. Like they just don't have enough yet to know what they don't know yet. And so they can only go off of the new experiences. Look at, look at a middle school kid. You're looking what 11, 12 years old, right? You know, you're getting into a point where like how much experience actually being plugged into the world is there? And you're like, I do, I, all I know is school and home. Like that's all I really know. You know, there's a few things outside of the home that maybe I'll know from friends, but it still falls in that same category of like, I only know what I'm exposed to and I haven't been alive very long. Right. Like, and also I'm very restricted in where I can go. Like, I don't, I can't go in my car and drive to another state or nothing. I can't do that. I don't have privy to a job or a, you know, a certain control of like finances and things like this. So I can go do whatever. We don't know what we don't know. We're just stuck in this tiny little community infrastructure that's based around your geographical location to teach you how to do stuff at school. Shit. I got no control over anything. And then here I am with other kids who are just as fucked up as me, who don't know how to handle it, who project their hurt on others because there's no empathy, compassion, or understanding, especially in middle school when it's the meanest humans on earth. Like, you're like, damn, how am I supposed to navigate this? Fair enough. There's two parts to that. And I, I do agree with you. I'm glad you differentiated fear and danger. They are not the same. Those are not the same thing, fear and danger. Saying I'm afraid of lions, but there are no lions. Well, that's one thing. But if you're sitting in a room with a lion, you're in danger. (laughs) That's a real problem. So if I'm having the same anxiety over a lion when there is no lion, that's controllable. I can work and train that one. But if you're in a room with a lion, you're in danger. And that's not the same as like, fear is not real. Fear is not real. Fear is not real. No, that thing's going to eat you for real. That's danger. That's not fear. But the thing is with danger is you don't have to fear, but you can still respect. Hmm. Fire. Fire is dangerous, but I can respect fire. Like I can treat fire with respect and be able to cook food with it. Have a bonfire. You know, I can still do very productive things with fire if I respect fire. Even if I don't respect it, though, it is dangerous and I can die. It can kill me. Fire can very much kill me. Same thing with anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be poison, can be a venomous animal, can be anything. You respect that damn thing. People are scared of spiders. Well, if you respect it, you don't just do stupid shit with it. Same thing with snakes. Most snakes, most, not all, don't attack you until provoked. Most animals don't attack unless provoked. 
Well, don't provoke. Respect that thing. That's danger. Let's get into the actual fear stuff. The part where you talk about public speaking, social rejections, social embarrassment. Like this is one of the number one fears. Ironically, you said that when they were doing the studies on this, more people were afraid of like uh, public speaking and social ridicule and social embarrassment than death. Like death was less scary than ridicule. <laughs> if you say it out loud, you're like, that's ridiculous. But that, that was the answer. More people are afraid of this, which is really interesting because it's not really happening. I want to get into a, a something that I, I just want to give a piece for fear. Fear attacks the parts of you that beat it. It attacks its kryptonite right away. So there's things that if you have an abundance of this, fear can't really operate very well. You know, and this can get into purpose also, which if you're on your mission, you don't notice the things that are scary because you're too busy going with your target from confusion. But we'll get we'll put it all together later. Fear hates at least these four things. If you have an abundance of any of these, fear doesn't have the power it needs to be able to control you. The first thing it hates is courage. It hates when you have guts. It hates when you say, I'm going to go for it. This may be scary. It may be tough. It may be, you know, maybe bigger than me. But every hero is defined by the villain they have to face. And most villains are bigger and stronger or smarter than the hero. It's always something the advantage goes to the, the villain. It's very rare the hero has all the advantages. That's what makes them heroic. Also, why Superman started losing a lot of traction and Batman started gaining traction. Because Superman... If he stops bank robbers, so what? <laughs> they can't hurt him anyways. It's not a struggle. But if Batman is fighting the Scarecrow, well, he's fighting fear itself, and I can relate to that. Even though if the Scarecrow was fighting Superman, he'd be like, <laughs> he's done. Dr. Crane, see ya. Like, <laughs> you know, fighting something like that's not a tr it's not a struggle for Superman. It makes it tough to relate. But Batman can die. Batman is human, just like me. And that he has to find a way to beat something that scares the shit out of him. Courage first. If you have an abundance of courage, you'll still face something that could hurt you and you're going to do it anyways. Now, the only trouble with courage is the definition for stupidity is seeing something that might hurt you and then still doing it anyways. So that's what makes it really tricky is the same definition for stupidity and courage. That's why life is a little hard with that one. Hold my beer versus hold my Red Bull is two different things. <laughs> Next one, uh, hope. If you have hope, I believe, you know, even I'll put hope and faith together, actually, because faith is another one. But hope and faith are not the same. But I'll put them in there. If you've got certainty, uh, you know what? I'm not alone. and I've got this and I'm going to make it through this and I can do this. And you have hope. There's a there's a reason for this and I'm, I can make it. There's a, there, I can get there. There's a place to go and I can do it. I got, I believe in myself. If you have faith and hope in yourself, fear hates that shit. Has to get rid of that right away. That has to go because if you believe you can win, you're not going to quit and I need you to quit. And the last one is curiosity. Hmm. Curiosity. This is a, this gets into when I do anxiety training. <clears throat> There's step to steps like beat anxiety. And this is where, like, I call it, like, the, it's like your, your seven tools here to make it so, like, like, all right, should we really be scared about what could go wrong? Should I really, really be scared? And so I'm going to ask you some questions here. I just want to see, like, how prepared really are you? Like, how prepared? Let me, uh, let me get my questions ready. So first question I want to get into. Um, 
first off, when it gets into the pieces that you have, I'm going to go through seven and you just say yes or no. All right. First one, do you have problem solving skills? Yes. You have it. All right. We got one for one so far. Problem solving skills. Next one. Do you have creativity? Have you ever thought outside of the box and figured out a solution that just wasn't conventional, but I figured out a clever way to do it? Yes. We got two for two. All right. Resourcefulness. I don't have it yet, but I can figure out how to get it. I don't care if it's Amazon or I could call somebody or figure something out. I don't have it, but I'll figure out how to get it. Do you have resourcefulness at all? I would say that's something I'm working on. Have you, have you ever had to be resourceful and like get something that we needed? Like, oh man, we need one of these. We don't have the chairs for this. We got to figure that out. And they're like, oh, well, let's find a way to get the chairs. Have you ever had any resourcefulness ever? Oh yeah, I would say, yeah, it, I'm sure in some points in my life, but I would say that's something I want to work on being a, a little more resourceful. But okay. Yes. Right. We have some, but right. it's not zero. All right, cool. So what about support system? Do you have people that like I can call to at least get advice or someone who could help me if I'm really struggling? Do you have any support system at all? Absolutely. All right, good. What about healthy outlets like mind, body, spirit, heart? Do you have outlets in any ways? Physical, uh, you write it out or you talk it out or you pray it out or you meditate, uh, cry it out, whatever. Like, do you Absolutely. Have any, do you have positive Absolutely. outlets? Yeah. Absolutely. What about any type of faith in any type of higher power than you? I don't care if it's law of attraction, vibration, energy, God, pick a thing. Do you believe you're the center of the universe or there's more to you than what just us? No, I, I truly believe in a higher power. There's a higher power. Okay, so you are not alone. And yes. what about this? You have been through some shit, some tough shit. And when you were young, you had to go through some really difficult things. What is the math right now on your survival rate for all the stuff you've ever been through? Hmm. What do you what do you mean the math on it? Well, what's your percentage? What's the percentage of your survival rate so far? Well, obviously, I mean, a hundred percent. I'm here. Doing pretty fucking good. If you weren't yeah. if you weren't here, it'd be lower than a hundred percent. So we've got a right now. No matter what it is that you've gone through. You have a 100% survival rate. You have made it through everything. Now, the last one is, is do you have more experience, tools, and knowledge, even wisdom, than you did when you went through some of the hardest things that you still survived? Absolutely. Yes. All right. So we're seven out of seven so far, Chris. Shouldn't we, in these situations, be more curious on what it's going to be so I can use my seven different tools here? Shouldn't I be more like, I wonder what it is, because as soon as I know, I can just use my tools and I'll just we'll get through whatever it is versus being afraid of what if they laugh at me? Well, then I laugh with them. You know, what if uh, what if I say everything wrong? Well, then I said something wrong. That's, then we laugh about it. That's it is what it is. I can't like not I can't change that. That is just what it is like. You know, how do I handle these situations? I've got seven out of seven tools here. Shouldn't I be more like, I wonder what it's going to be so I can use my tools. Mm. Here I am getting into all the things that what if, what if, what if. This leads me to the other part of fear. People who have anxiety and people who have high levels of fear, I don't think it's because you're fucked up or you're broken or you're bent or any of that stuff. You're looking into the future. And you're looking into the future and you're adding your feelings to a reality that's not happening. In fact, you're having an emotional attachment to a reality that doesn't exist. That's fucking amazing. 
What other creature can look into the future, have an entire experience, even have meltdowns or connections with things that aren't happening? It's possible futures. And you can go into 20, 50, 100 different futures and have an emotional attachment to each one, be it positive or negative. And somehow that's stupid. That's an amazing ability. You can look into the future. The difference is, is that people use this as a crutch and look at all the things that can go wrong and they never address like, well, what am I supposed to be learning from these possible realities? And then being able to let go of it's the future. The variables are unknown. I can only go so far until new information would be applied. Let's also throw in the part for fear. You ever had an argument with your wife in your head on the way home? <laughs> right? Like we all have. Everybody's done. Everybody's argued with somebody. It doesn't matter if it's a boss, it's a best friend, you know, it's your it's your girlfriend, it's your wife, doesn't matter who it is. But you're sitting there going, no fucking Sarah, don't you fucking say that shit. Like you're in your head getting salty. <laughs> and here you and you're arguing with you probably had multiple arguments, and some of them she killed you, some of them you killed her. You're getting some insane arguments in your head. Who's making her answers up for her? It's, it's what I relate to the kids. Like, who talks to you the most in your, you know, throughout the day? Yourself, right? What's the thought? 10,000 thoughts between 10 and 20,000 thoughts a day. You know, and what what's coming up for me when we're talking about this is, you know, that that's where the fear factor is, right? Focusing on what we don't want versus what we want. We make up these stories. Oh, this is going to happen. But if you keep focusing on what you don't want, that's what you get. That's the reality that you get. Come on, manifesting at that point. Yeah, Come on, manifesting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, it's funny. I like yeah. That. Do you like that? Though? Here's what I'm going to finish off that point. When you're arguing in your head with Sarah and you guys are having an argument on the way home in your mind, who's making up her responses? Right, I am. <laughs> so, so, and then you ever, you ever had those arguments in your head where you're getting mad? like real mad, like screaming in the car, like, fuck. <laughs> if you're making up her answers, who are you arguing with and getting real mad about it? <laughs> if you take a step back and look at our own system, like I'm yelling at me because I'm mad at me who made up an answer and then put my wife's face on it. And I got really upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> Mind is a powerful thing, right? It's pretty amazing. Now, this yeah. is, I'm not going to get into it today, but you, this is something that I'm writing in this, in my, my book on fear. Fear is actually connected to one of our grieving systems, but we don't, people don't connect these very often, which is why I have to write this book on it. I put fear and in the, your grieving system is denial, bargaining, anger, and depression before you get to acceptance. Fear is associated the most to bargaining. And you're like, what? No, 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 no. You know, if only I could talk to my grandfather one more time, or if only they knew how I really felt, or, oh, well, they're only trying to do this and that makes it okay. The bargaining system, how is that fear? That sounds like positive stuff. Mm. Mm. You know, and bargaining also dresses itself up as dreams, by the way, even though they can't happen. This is a tricky thing. If you look at anxiety and you look at fear, how often out of all of the possibilities of what could go wrong does it actually, like, out of that, like, let's say you make 20 different things that could go wrong. 
How often do all 20 happen? Never. They never do. They don't. It's a very, very low percentage of when things go like, I'm scared of this happening, that it actually happens. It's super low. And then even if it does, you got your seven things and you sort it out. And then you figure it out and you move past it anyways. Bargaining is on the other side where it creates fantasies. Red, the rose-colored glasses. This is the part where, like, I don't see the red flags or, like, everything's okay. And it w- wouldn't it be awesome if, and, and isn't it beautiful if, and what a beautiful life if I could, you know, be a, live in my MMO or I could, you know, uh, talk to a dead person again, wouldn't that be, wouldn't be lovely, but like these same things happen, but it's the same percentage on bargaining that happens as it is for fear. Most of these realities that we try to make up as fantasies often don't come true. It's not a real possibility. The difference is, is when something you're scared of and something that you fear doesn't come true, you feel relief. Hmm. But when something that you dream of that's bargaining doesn't come true, it hurts double because, you know, I wanted this relationship to really work, but that wasn't a compatible match. Well, I was trying to ignore the red flags and now the loss of that beautiful relationship that I dreamed of hurts a lot more. You're like, yeah, the reality when it comes from the pain or the fear side, not coming true is relief, but the reality coming to from the fantasy side causes pain. Ironic, right? I mean, that, that leads right into disappointment, right? Let's Where do we, it. We don't get what we expect. And we, we let that, like, just like confusion, we let that spin us in circles, right? Disappointment. And it, it could be as simple as, yeah, you, you didn't, you didn't get the raise or, you know, you didn't make the basket, you know, or you didn't, yeah, you didn't make the free throw. So disappointment, again, it, it comes down to what, you know, what you were talking about, the, the choice. Am I going to let this, uh, disappointment hold me down or am I going to, am I going to say, all right, what, what are the ways, what are the seven ways that I can battle around uh, disappointment? Right. I, I like to think of, you know, you mentioned uh, courage and this is where, this is where I feel like the champion core ethics come in. Right. And I have these champion core ethics and cu- courage is definitely one of them. It's the first one. Right. But, if you don't have values, right, if you don't have a belief system like you were talking about, hope and faith, if you don't have a belief system, then disappointment is just going to be, that's going to be the target that you're always aiming at. So the the crucial thing with any of these dictators that are trying to to overpower us is to have, have a belief system, have uh, values, have core ethics, have you know, however you want to think of them, have these things that will guide us through any and any and every challenge that comes up in our life. Yeah, man, I I love how you talk because you, you do the things where you tell the right answers, but I know how deep that goes and right, people right. won't know until they train with you, like how masterful what you're saying is, is I'm like, dude, that's like, that is a, that is a deep hole there. You're like, yeah, but I just have to let them know the holes there. So that way we can go into it because most people don't know there's a hole there. What are your values? People don't know. What are your belief systems? That's the core of everything. And most people couldn't tell you what they are. Even when we do awareness training and look for behaviors and beliefs, we're on autopilot most of the time. So here I am running into disappointment through expectations. Now, there's a there's a word that I have associated just about everything that we have for disappointment. Everything. And that's ironic that like the way to be able to relinquish it 
actually is by a surrender piece, which doesn't seem like that would work for this one word. The one word that seems at the core of how we cope, how we grieve, how we fight, how we run, how we do everything is control. It's all this one word. Why did you argue? Well, they didn't do what I wanted. Did you think that you were in control of what other people do? Well, they made me mad. Did they make you mad? Did you give them control over your emotions or make them responsible over your reactions? Interesting that you gave that control away. Well, I don't have control. So that's where your fight, fr flight, freeze. And the other one's fawn. If you don't know what that one is, this goes through your bargaining system. Fawn is, is that fawning. This is a okay. people pleasing, sacrificing myself mm -hmm. so you can be okay. Uh, there's a psychologist who gets into this where they talk about fight and flight. Those are hitting the gas pedal. Freeze is hitting the brakes. Fawning is both at the same time. Mm. These are the people who are like, uh, they, they're with a dysfunctional person, but they move toward them so they can try and make it so that person is okay, even at the sacrifice of themselves. They try to control the conversations. They're the peacekeepers, the moderators, the mediators, but they sacrifice themselves in order for that other person to be okay. Oftentimes that people pleasing leads them to not having any idea who they are at all. Uh, but it looks like wow. they move toward so that way they can they can control the situation because their greatest asset would be diplomacy. But there's also a very negative way to do this. Um, this is also a part of what I'm writing on, too. But people don't associate fawning as one of the ways to do it, which I call the negotiator. That's what I call it. You know, and so I got fight is attack. Flight is uh, going to be under the depressions or the, yeah, it's a, the denial system, sorry, which is going to run into uh, run away, hide, suppress. And most guys suppress. We all push it all down. And then you get into uh, depression, which is freeze. Um, and that's going to be the surrender system. And then you get into fawning, which is your bargaining system. Um, that falls under the fear category also. So fear and bargaining together creates negotiation. And that's the fawn system. This is where I try to control the conversation because I have to try to make sure everybody is okay. I have to make sure nobody gets angry. And if you do get angry, I'll do anything to sacrifice myself so that you're okay. Even at the cost of my authenticity and my soul, I'll make sure you're okay. What do I have to give for peace here? The negotiators, they, they can do things in a pretty, it's, it's often misunderstood or overlooked or mis, um, uh, misdiagnosed people diagnose really incorrectly that this is actually a protection and safety system and it's not a disorder. And if people like, again, there's a very positive way to be a mediator. There's a very productive way to be able to negotiate without it being a, a need to control. But fawning is a big one too. when it gets into fear and disappointment and expectations since people will go into the last one. But this is where I just even just going into that. Well, that's a control system. We create a defense or a coping mechanism system, which is fight, flies, freeze, or fawn. We, we do that when we are young and don't have control. I don't have control. I'm too young. I don't have control. So I have to create a system to survive this. Trained or untrained, there's very unhealthy versions of attack and there's very productive versions of attack. One version is, what the fuck are you looking at? The other version is, is let me protect you and make sure you're safe. Same system, just how is it used? Mm. You know, they often say the people who are freeze people, the people who fall into like shut down in the middle of an argument there, it looks like from the outside in, like this person's fucking stupid. No, 
what they found is that person is able to absorb 10 times more info than other people are because their awareness is turned all the way up. And so they're just absorbing all of the information, all of the possibilities and all of the things so quickly you can't make a decision. It's too much information at one time. It's the opposite. It's not because they're dumb. It's because they're highly intelligent and they're just pulling in more information than you can see when we're angry and we have tunnel vision. And being overwhelmed. Correct. Because like they're pulling in a lot more than you can see when you're on a, right. in, a in a scope, you know what I mean? And so that's yeah. a different thing too. misunderstood. The positive version is, is that person can process with more than you could see. And that's useful. Hmm. You know, you get into any of these, there's a positive negative. Well, what reason I bring that up is these are all systems of control that are linked to our grieving systems. And a lot of the things that you had, especially when you were drinking, especially when you were young, was all associated to a massive loss that you were trying to find a way to survive by controlling yourself and the environment in any way possible. But that system of control will lead you to constant levels of disappointment because I'm going to expect the world to be what I think it should be. And I have a very little amount of information about what there is to know. So here I am trying to conform the way other people see me, the way that I'm perceived, the way that I act, my persona, my mask that I wear, the badass personality, all of the stuff I'm trying to project out so you don't see the authentic me, which is the avoid dance that I have. And this is me trying to control everything so I'm okay when really the disappointment and expectations come from creating an answer or a, a way I think things should be that doesn't exist. It do, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a thing. I wish that you were like this, Chris. And you're like, that's not me. I'm like, yeah, but I wish you were. And I'm disappointed that you're not. Well, here I am judging you now for something I made up. Mm. Here's another thing. I, I want to give you a, a really cool tool here. Do you know that even in the, the, I have to rewrite, this one in my first book, there's three different kinds of expectations. This may help somebody out when you see somebody getting into some shit. There's three different types of expectations. Uh, the first one is standards. Now, standard expectation, this is different from like our personal standards. This is like, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't, like that's different. Personal standards is different. The other standards is usually what we have for other people. It's a type of expectation because expectations are from others. Standards are for ourselves. So expectations for standard expectations goes, when I first met you, this is how we were, especially in dating. This is a real easy one to like, you are more chivalrous. You are more outgoing. You wanted to go on more dates. You are more excited to see her, all those things. And she was kinder, more open, more curious, more playful, more sweet. And then as the relationship goes on further, there's less effort with chivalry, less effort with time spent, less effort to try to woo her or romance her. And she has less effort and enthusiasm for kindness and appreciation and all of those positive things that made you fall in love with her. So those start to fall off. Well, then you start going, hey, listen, I'm not trying to tell you I need you to be like so-and-so or so-and-so. I'm saying I'm comparing you to you. The way you used to be is what I really like. And I have an expectation set by you as how you used to do stuff. I chose you as my person. This can be your best friend. This can be the person you hang out with. This can be whatever based on certain criteria that I enjoyed. And now that no longer happens and I'm comparing you to you. 
That's expectations by standards. You are the standard. You ha- you set the tone. This is the honeymoon phase falling apart. Why don't you just act nice like you used to? I chose you because you were the nicest. And then you started nagging and complaining and bitching. Why aren't you nice anymore? Because you met the representative. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Can I just have the rest representative back? Can I just have that back? I like the representative. The next one is potential. Expectations for potential. This is the comparison of what could be based on, you know, what you're capable of. This is something that like, you know, um, yeah, when you met me, I'm going for my doctorate or I'm going to start my business or I'm a musician and I'm going to be a big star or you pick a thing, something where like their potential to be great seems like they're on a trajectory for awesomeness. It seems like their potential is you're off the charts. Chris could do anything. And then you hang out with that person and they just sit on the couch all day. You know, they're just playing video games all day. You know, they're not really doing it. They just go and do their regular nine to five and then come home and veg out mm. or get high with their friends or do whatever. Mm. And you go, man, like if you were just on your purpose, you could do anything. What happened to you getting your doctorate or your master's degree or graduating or starting your business or, you know, getting your band promoted or what happened to that? Your dream made your potential so good. And yet you're not doing any effort towards your potential. Now I'm comparing you to what you could be if you just tried. And then the expectation starts falling in there. Why aren't you what you could be? Why aren't you what you could be? Why aren't you what you could be? And people start like, this is who I am. Instead of actually challenging, am I really putting in the effort here? And the last one, and this is the one that kills the most relationships and most dynamics, make-believe. Oh, well, I saw so-and-so's husband. He does this and this. Why don't you do that? I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. And I've never done that stuff. Who is that? And we never even had a conversation slash agreement on any of that. You think I should just start doing more housework because Frank does? I don't know, Frank. I don't know who that is. And Shelly's husband, Tim, he does this thing and he mows the grass diagonally. Like, I, I didn't even know that was a fucking thing. Okay, I guess I'll start doing it diagonal. I never even thought about that. Like, fine. Like these things that people will start making up that you should be something else. You should be something else. Well, so-and-so makes more money. Why don't you? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing the best I know. If I know how to make more money, you think I'm holding myself back? What are you talking about? You think I'm trying to make less? Who are you comparing me to? What is this? When we start creating that somebody else needs to be something they're not, and then we start resenting and feeling disappointed about the thing that I made up. And now I'm going to have to argue. Now, Chris, I'm going to meet you up and and wonder why you didn't do the thing that I made up you should be doing. And I like the Chris that I made up better than the real Chris, who has no agreements or understand that I even just made that up. So now you have to defend yourself as the real you against the Chris 2.0 that I like better. And you're like, this is the weirdest straw man argument I've ever had. But here you are now having to defend yourself against make-believe you and you're not measuring up. Well, that's some bullshit. <laughs> now, how, how often do you find that make-believe happens with with men? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. So when, when it comes to men to women, far often, it's the standard one that comes up the hardest. Okay. The standard one is the most common. Women do the make-believe one more. Hmm. The potential one can go either way. Okay. 
the potential one's the middle one, but d- is it absolute? No, no, no. Some men do the make-believe thing and some women do the standards thing for sure. But the most common, like the larger group is guys go, she used to be so fucking nice and now she's really mean. And she's going, yeah, well, you used to have so much potential, but now you're not doing what this person on Desperate Housewife does and this person on this social media does and this person on this show does. And they're influenced by all these, what it should be and not appreciating what is. And so this is where I see the most common for those dynamics. Now, when it comes to self, this is where you turn turn into a shame system. And this is probably where your disappointment gets into, like, I'm not good enough, which actually probably leads us to doubt. This is one of my favorite ones to get into. But the shame stack, when it comes to expectations, not living up to it, um, before I jump into that, it just comes down to control. Now I'm going to give you guys a tool. This is, this is an answer, not a solution. So you're going to like love it, but you're going to hate it. But when it comes down to control, the way that you really, really gain true power, this is where you have to understand those belief systems where the first one goes into everything's happening to me. Then we got into things are happening for me. Then we have to get into the next piece, which is the acceptance of what is. And this is ascending beyond it's happening for me to just acceptance of that happened. It's not good. It's not bad. That happened. That is. And I'm not angry about it. I'm not sad about it. I'm not neglecting it. And I'm not, I just, I've gone through all of the feelings and I'm like, that happened. Okay. So this is where there's a few parts of this, where a lot of us are human doings and not human beings. We think that we need to be in control of everything. And we're constantly disappointed when things aren't going our way. To truly feel in control, you need to release the need to be in control. Somebody just heard that. I was like, fuck that. No, in order to truly be in control, and this isn't just serenity prayer shit. I mean, like, in order to really, truly be in control, you have to have an acceptance of what is, and that'll allow you to let things grow. But a lot of times people are trying to force fruit instead of just allowing the plant to grow. Just let it, hey, stop, water it. Don't do anything else. How about I fucking scream at it and tell it it needs to fucking make some fucking fruit? And you're like, no, 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 no. That's not how things grow. It grows better when you water it. Well, if it doesn't grow, I'm about to flamethrower this garden. You're like, well, then you'll have no plants at all, let alone fruit. And it takes twice as long for it to start over again. You'll be months without fruit. Just let it grow. This gets into the whole let it go is the first part happening to me to for me. That's let it go. Happening for me to happening is let it grow. The last one gets into like happening through me and that gets into the creativity of creating. And and that's a different thing. That's a higher level of ascension. If anybody wants to get into that one, book a call with Chris or myself and we will help you with the next part because that's advanced training. (laughs) I, I feel I, to, to, build upon that note where you just said, I feel like some, some people take it to the other extreme mm-hmm. where, yeah, they, they just feel like, all right, I'm just going to think about my dreams and hope that things happen and let things flow and not be in control and just pray for, you know, what they want in their future. Right. So there's the other side of that. I feel like, how, how does that resonate with you? Well said. Correct. When people take things to extremes, it always goes off the rails. If you're sitting around and just waiting for something to happen, you're missing. Remember, we talked about how prayers work. Mm -hmm. If you want more of something, 
you're going to get the opportunity for it. That's how God works with prayers. That's why he said, you want wisdom? Get ready to get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you're, you're like. I don't want my ass kicked. I just want to know. Can you just fill my brain like the Matrix? I know Kung Fu. Can I just do that? It's like, no. What's going to happen is if you want wisdom, you're going to get fucked up. And you're like, I don't like that at all. You're like, that's how wisdom works. You learn three times faster from losing than you do winning. So you're about to lose a lot. You're like, oh, well, I shouldn't have fucked around and prayed for that. You don't, you want to pray for more understanding? Well, get ready to be in some more confusing situations because then you get to practice. I don't understand. Well, then you should be asking questions instead of trying to dictate how things go. Mm. Now you can practice. I just wish my family would have some resolution. Well, you got a reunion coming up or you got a phone call that you can make. Go ahead and do that phone call or they'll send you a text message and let's see if you can do a resolution practice rather than trying to dictate how everyone should live their life. You can practice now. No, no, no. I just want them to be better. No, that happens when you do an action. This happens when you do a thing. I want more money, Chris. I'm manifesting more money, more money. First off, you better say your real thing because if you say your wish wrong, you're going to get your wish. It's like, Chris, I want 1 million bucks right now. And you're like, your wish is granted. And now there's a million deer in your front yard because you just wished for a million bucks. And you're like, oh no, that's not what I wanted. I want US American dollars. You said bucks. You got a bunch of deer now. You made your wish wrong. So if you're sitting here trying to manifest, I want a deposit in my account, a deposit in my account, you're going to get an email from a place that's hiring. You're going to get an, you're going to get a, a person who's like talking about a new job opportunity. Hell, it might even be something that you're like, that sounds like a pyramid scheme. You're like, but it might not be. You're going to have opportunities start showing up. And you know what the greatest ability that you can have is availability. Well, I'll, I'll relocate. I'll try that new place. I'll learn that new skill. I'll take that new training. I'll get that certification. If you want more, the opportunities will present themselves all over the place. But if you're closed off to opportunities because you want to sit in your bedroom and wait for a deposit to happen, you're missing the way that the prayer works. You're missing how the wish works. I don't care what you call it. Manifesting, law of attraction, prayer, you call, dream board. I don't give a shit. Call it what you want. God made all of it. I don't care. Use whatever tools you want. If you're waiting for it to happen, you're missing the action step that's required. And that's where I'm with you. You're, you're not wrong when people take it to extremes and go, well, I just, I've been doing the thing you said, have a belief that money will be there and I'm just waiting for it to be there. Have you been aware of your opportunities to make it happen? Well, no, I just want it a d- deposit. I don't want to do anything, but it's not how that works. And it's funny because that's, that's another thing that I really try to get these kids. Action cures fear. Correct. Move. move courage. Towards, yeah, yeah, courage. The courage and that action is that that's how you cure fear. Fear hates that shit. Fear yeah. hates it when you do stuff. Have you ever seen somebody so on mission that when like something that would be terrifying came up, they just walked right through it? Mm-hmm. You're like, what? Yeah. The, that was a giant smoke demon. You just walked right through that? And they're like, I didn't even see it. I was looking at the target I was going for. I wanted this goal. I just walked right through it. Like that was loud and smoky and crazy. You just walked right through it. Like I didn't even see it. I was looking at my goal. I was on mission. I'm on purpose right now. And you see, have you seen that before where someone's like, dude, this whole shit's about to go crazy. And you're like, did it? Yeah, dude, you just did that thing. You didn't see it. It's like, no, I was just doing what I knew I needed to do to get my goal. Hmm. I didn't even see the fear. 
I wasn't paying attention. I was just too focused on doing that. I didn't even see the thing that would have stopped me. I went right through that obstacle. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned earlier about, you know, public speaking being the top of the list of fears that people face, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to think stepping into the ring against an opponent is right up there. Maybe not with public speaking. <laughs> not enough people but, have had a chance to do it, yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. But that's that's a that's another example of saying, all right, yeah, I, I know I, I face physical injury and humiliation, but I'm bigger than this. Like this is this is my goal to face that that fear head on and say, all right, what, who am I going to become when I face this fear? Mm-hmm. Right. How, how, how much more of a champion can I live like if I can face this fear, no matter how scary it is. And again, not focusing on what you don't want. Right. Cause I, I like to help the kids understand that when you step into the ring as a fighter, you're not thinking you shouldn't be thinking, all right, what is this person? What is this opponent going to do to me? You're thinking, what am I going to do to the opponent? What, mm-hmm. what, what is my objective? And as soon as you start thinking, oh, my God, what is this opponent going to do to me? Is this person going to you know, knock my teeth out? That's, that's when the fear takes over. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely right. And then, like, how about this? After you had that fight, and let's say you won, like you've won fights, how do you feel after you overcame that really difficult challenge? Oh, I mean, again, you feel like, all right, I, I've I've proved to myself that fear, even though, again, I do face danger, there is danger in the ring. Oh, sure. I've, yeah, I, I've proved that I can face my fears no matter how much it comes up in my life. If I can say, all right, I... I I have a goal. I have a mission here. And it's, and it's not to just cure the fear. It's to prove to myself what I, what I told myself when I was eight years old. I'm going to make a name for myself. And when I, when I kept that top of mind, that's what helped me work past that fear. Man, I, I love just translating how deep the shit you're saying is because like you're dropping bombs here, but I don't think I, I, I've talked to enough people that probably just don't catch how deep what you're saying is. Like what you're doing right now is you're explaining the definition for true confidence. And I've got three different C's for it. And you keep going in. The first one is courage. The second one is competency, which you already talked about. Like courage is how much did you practice? Anything you practice, you get better at and you feel more confident. But courage, fear hates courage. And so if you're going to do it, like I'm going to ask somebody out, I'm going to get in the ring or I'm going to go do something that scares the shit out of me. It's like you watch people do stuff like I could never do that. It's like. Yeah, you could if you just have some courage. Just get in there and start doing it. You'll start seeing that fear hates that shit. The last one is certainty. I believe I can do this. I, I, I've been through worse than this. This isn't going to be it. If I get rejected or embarrassed or everybody laughs at me or uh, things go wrong, like this isn't going to be the hardest thing I've ever been through. This won't be the thing that ends my 100% success rate. This isn't going to be it. Well, if you watch people who are like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. If you watch the people who have certainty, like this isn't going to be the thing that ends me. This is just going to be embarrassment. This is, listen, that time I pissed myself in front of everybody, that was worse than anything that this is going to be. And even if I did, I'll just be like, who's peeing with me? And they're like, nobody. I'll be like, missing out, you know, and then everyone moves on. Like, like nobody cares. Nobody cares if, if you don't care. It's, it's this confidence of certainty. When you throw that in there, you'd be like, I got this. I got that faith. I got that. I know I got this. 
that stuff makes it so even if it goes wrong, this won't be the thing that ends me. You got courage, competency, and certainty. You put that together, you got a confident-ass person. And those are trainable. These are Absolutely. these are skills. Like, this isn't like you were just born with that stuff, Chris. No, I wasn't. I had to develop these things. And now I can be confident. Are you, are you still like, I don't do public speaking. I'm going to take the whole semester off. Do you, do you still avoid it? Well, I mean, standing up in front of kids of 55 schools over the last school year, no. I mean, I've, I wouldn't say that I'm still like the courage. I mean, the fear that it's not there. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there. But I, now I know like, okay, I'm allowed to feel this. And that's what I, I do my best to have these kids understand. It's okay to feel the fear unless, again, it's something that's more so in the danger realm. It's okay to feel the fear of something that's not dangerous and and going for it and feeling stupid because mm -hmm. now you're a human being. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. I love it. This gets me to that piece that I was saying for you, like, like how good you feel when you face that shit, how good it is when you win in the ring, how good it is. People often will shy away from things that are hard, difficult, scary, or whatever. But whenever they succeed at something that was truly difficult, tell me you've never felt more pride in yourself in your life. Absolutely. And even in, not, not even just the wins. Even in the losses, I felt like, yeah, I got through that. Mm -hmm. I got through that. I, I got back up every time I got knocked down. Uh, you know, I, I didn't walk away. You know, I, I didn't get pulled out of the ring in a stretcher. Mm -hmm. I walked away from that, no matter how tough it got. And that that loss that made me stronger. The wins are bonuses, mm -hmm. but that loss made me stronger for that next time that it might happen. It's Hell not yeah. a matter. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Absolutely. That's that's Rocky one, bro. <laughs> People don't understand that. They're like, oh, he lost the fight. He's like, no, he went fifteen rounds with the champ. Like he he didn't he didn't win. But tell me, there's a, there's not a greater win than knowing I've got what it takes to last fifteen rounds with the best and not get pulled out. Absolutely. Like that was Rocky one. He's like, I have what it takes inside of me. I have what it takes to go with the best. I can't beat him, but I didn't get taken out by it. That's how fucking tough I am. Yeah. And tell me you don't feel more pride. Like, oh, man, that dude's fucking awesome. Tell me you don't think Rocky's tough. You're like, that guy took a million punches and he kept staying. He kept getting back up and getting back up. And that's what I say for everybody is if you're avoiding doing something that's scary because you're worried about the expectations or the disappointment in it, you're also avoiding the best feelings in your life. The gratification to say, all right, I survived it. Yeah, I've got what it takes. Yeah. It's fucking good. Now let's go into the one motherfucker that had me down the longest. And I have, I hang out with this guy the most. Now I know how to beat him and I'll teach you a very cool tool with this one. This one has been changing a lot of people. Let's talk about doubt. Mm -hmm. This motherfucker fucking doubt. He gets a lot of people. I mean, it crushes dreams, right? Self doubt crushes dreams. Yeah, he does. So the way I like to talk to the kids about self doubt, there's, there are two ways, right? Obviously, it can start from within, right? 
not having that feeling of confidence for not being competent at something, or it can come from without, meaning listening to, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, listening to other people's opinions and letting those opinions become your own opinion when you shouldn't be sanctioning other people's opinions because that's, that's how you, that's what leads you to self-doubt, right? And it comes back to what you were talking about earlier, that hope and that faith and that belief in yourself. But how does a kid develop that hope and faith? You know, he needs a guide or he or she needs a guide or a mentor, someone that's already believing in them. I came from a household where there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, faith or belief in, in the things that I did. You know, because there, if anything, there was just a lack of communication in general. So I, I faced a lot of self-doubt growing up because I didn't have people validating me, right? Because kids need it, right? As an adult, maybe you can rely on self-validation. But as kids, we need that validation from an outside source, an authority figure saying, all right, you're on the right path. All right, you made a mistake. It's okay. Pick yourself back up. And let's get back to your dreams, your goals, and ambitions. But when you start listening to people that aren't constructive, I call them the crabs in your life, the ones that are trying to pull that last crab down that's trying to get out of the bucket. They pull you back down to, you know, to, to crush your dreams. Those, those people, though, when you start sanctioning other people's opinions and beliefs, that's when that self-doubt starts to take over. And again, it, it all comes down to a choice, right? And the choice, it needs to be fostered by someone who is believing in you. Man, we're having such good talks. If, if people, I hope people are taking notes with the stuff that we're dropping here. Like if anybody's I, I, getting in this far, I'm thinking, yeah. like these kids or anybody who's listening to this, and this is for men, women, this is everybody, but especially for like these young people, take damn notes here because what you're saying is it all lines up perfectly. I'm going to show you some map stuff pretty soon here, Chris. You're going to love my like mind map for how we operate because it oh. puts all of these pieces together. You're going to, you're going to love it. Anyways, I love, yeah, doubt. You said doubt from within and doubt from outside of you. And this gets into like, you know, the enemy within part, which is where we manifest the curses that are put on us. But those belief systems are put on from other people that we accept the belief systems to, which we can go back and, you know, revoke those contracts at any time. But people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> I want to um, go in. I like the crabs thing. And this is the people who you surround yourself with. And it's ironic when you say people will pull you down because the only people that can pull you down are people who are further behind people who are beneath you. The people who are above you, very, very rare. You're going to find that manipulative person who steps, steps on you to get up. Does it exist? Especially corporate. Oh yeah, that exists. But is it that common in regular world? Not that common. It, it can happen, but more commonly people will pull you down because of their lack of dreams or their lack of vision or their lack of understanding than the people who, you know, are further ahead. Like I, like we know, it's the same thing with good fighters. The further they are, the less they try to beat everybody up. But the less proficient they are, they want to fight everyone. You know, and you can see even when you train, like the guy who goes 100% or the guy who knows that this is practice. Mm -hmm. Hey, slow down. He's a, he's a white belt. Slow down. Don't, don't blast that dude. <laughs> like, hold on. He's still learning. You know, so it's a different thing on this. 
one thing I, I enjoy, because I'm getting your warrior spirit the whole time that we're talking. At the core of all of these things, the, the thing I talk about in almost every podcast is that we need to challenge everything. Everything. Ask questions. Dig in. What is that? Is that authentic? Is it not authentic? Is that my belief system or is that someone else's? I need to challenge everything. I need to look inside. I need to look outside. Is that real or is that not real? Is it my perception? Is it not perception? And when it comes to doubt, doubt is a very tricky one. I'm going to give you my definition for doubt word for word. The definition for doubt is that doubt offers nothing but takes from you everything. That's how it works. Doubt offers nothing and takes from you everything. It does attack you through your motivation that goes into your feelings. So it's going to go after whatever goal, whatever vision, whatever dream, whatever purpose that you're on. That's where it goes first. Now, let's look at an, a doubt attack. Let's go with like an internal one. Like, Chris, I saw you wanted to help kids out, but who the fuck would listen to you? Why would anybody care what you have to say? You don't know anything. You're not certified. You're not a doctor. Why would anybody even care about what you have to say? With these, these pieces that I'm putting on you, what is my offer for you to do if you listen to me? Say, wait, what is your offer? Say that again. If you say I have a dream to help kids, mm -hmm. you know, when you think about it, let's let's just go into your potential on this dream, okay? On your potential for your dream, I can find fulfillment. I can find connection. I can find, you know, I can get financial support from being hired as a speaker. I can take care of my family. I can fulfill my purpose. I can, you know, build a dream. I can pull kids out of hell. I can give hope again. I can give chance again. I can teach choice. I can give kids that, that never had a man like me in their life a chance to see that there's, there's a way you can get it done. That's one hand. And this is one offer. This is your dream, right? On the other hand, why would anybody listen to you? You can't do that. That's a dumb idea. That's never going to work. You're not certified for that. On the other hand, if you listen to me, what am I offering for you to do if you were to listen to me? What will happen if you take my choice? If I take your choice, I will spiral and my mental health will decline and I'll quit on the things that matter to me most. Mm -hmm. And that again, going back to mental health, I mean, I feel like any of these dictators really affects our mental health. Right? So, if we, go ahead. Yeah. If this self, if I believe in, in what you're telling me, like saying that I'm not able to accomplish this, this will lead me to give up on my goals. Lead mm -hmm. me to give up on any ambitions that I have in my life. It'll lead to all the things that I don't want, right? Going back to focusing on what we want or versus what we don't want. So if you listen to me, what will you have? Nothing. That's what I'm offering you. Doubt offers nothing. Ah, got it. Got it. And takes from you everything. Yes. If you take my option... Yes you'll end up spiraling into nothing. Yeah. And it'll cost you everything. Everything. Absolutely. That's how yeah. doubt works. Mm, I like that. It offers nothing. Now, if you raise your awareness to these offers, we then challenge everything to go, well, what are you offering me? So they're like, no one will listen to you. You're not a doctor. You're like, well, what's your offer? 
Are you giving me another program, a different option? Are you going to give me a doctorate? Like, what are you trying to offer? No, I just said nobody listened to you without that. Well, that's not true because I've talked to doctors and they've never actually seen where that bridge in hell is out, but I know it is. So I don't know if that means anything when it comes to experience, but I can share experience. So what are you offering me then? Well, I think you should quit until you have a doctorate. <laughs> well, you're offering me nothing then because I'll just be back in school and then my family will suffer for another two decades. Hmm. Or I can start pulling kids out of hell now. Hmm. Well, which do you choose? Do you want to choose nothing or do you want to choose help kids now? Help kids now. Okay, well, then I'm going to decline this offer. Thank you so much for your opinion, but I'm going to decline nothing. I appreciate you. You're not good enough for that. Why? Nobody cares about what you have to say. What's the offer? What's the offer? Nothing. There's nothing again. I'm not offering you yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. You're a piece of shit. Who would, nobody, nobody likes what you have to say. What am I offering you? Nothing. There's no alter. There's no better way to do it. There's no improvement on the idea. There's right. no alternate path you can take. It's just do nothing. Hmm. Well, if you can catch the way doubt works, I can simply say, I see you're offering nothing and I decline your offer. Hmm. Thank you for offering that, but I decline. I like that. You're going to give I a like speech. That. You're going to sound like an idiot. Well, what are you offering? Are you going to write my speech for me? No, I just said you're going to sound stupid. I'm like, well, it's nothing. You're not offering shit. Yeah. So I decline your offer. I'm going to go rock this beach. Thank you for the offer for nothing, though. I'm going to go with potential, though. I'm going to go with something. I appreciate your opinion. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, there's a Robert Downey Jr. quote that I like often that I use for guys, especially when it comes to doubt. Somebody will tell me all the time what I should be doing. You should be doing this and you should be doing that. You should be doing this, which oftentimes is just a perspective, which gets to truth. And I'll get to that in a second. But what I do often is I'll hear people who don't know almost anything about what I'm doing, telling me exactly how I should do it. And so I'll nod and I'll smile and I'll agree like, yeah, thanks. Cool, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. And then I'll go do whatever the fuck I was going to do anyways. <laughs> They're not offering anything, but thank you. Thank you for your offer of nothing. I appreciate so, that, but I'm going to go do what I'm going to do anyways. You see a lot of that in the fight world for sure. Mm-hmm. Armchair coaches, right? Correct. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you should have done that. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> easier said than done when <laughs> when you're not in there. Yeah, there's a Mike Tyson quote. You know the one. The what? Yeah, what's okay. the main one? Everyone's got a plan. So they get punched in the face. Yep. <laughs> and so this is where everyone's got their opinion. And this is, gets down to truth. Truth is not a real thing. There's no such thing as truth. You're like, wait a second, Rick. Where the fuck existential shit are you going into now? Or what esoteric stuff is this? Here's a Marcus Aurelius quote. King of Rome, last philosopher king. <clears throat> everything that we hear is an opinion, not a fact. And everything that we see is a perspective, not the truth. So here these armchair generals are telling you how to run your army. Here are these people who are on the outside and don't truly understand your goal, your vision, your dreams, your potential, telling you how you should do things. Stay inside the lines. Stay safe. Don't take risk. Do it my way. Do it my way. Do it my way. That's their perception of what they believe reality is. You know, we look at the six or we look at the nine. Have you ever seen that analogy? Like yeah. if, if I hold this up, you see a six or a B or a music note. But if I look at it from my point of view, this is a nine. 
You know, it's the six and the nine thing. It's the same thing where who's right? Yes is the right answer. You're right, but I'm right. But to me, you're wrong. And to you, I'm wrong. But we're both right. And if we had the courage to be able to say, let me look at it from your point of view, this doesn't mean I have to do what you say, but I will look. And if I walk to your side, well, my truth now changes because now I have a different perception. My facts have now become different because now I see something differently. You know, and this is where it is, is what is truth then? It's just an agreement at this point. And so here we are back to the truth of what somebody believes you should do who knows very little about what you can do. And they offer you nothing to take from you everything. You can't do that. That will never work. What a stupid idea. Not one of those gives you a better alternative. It just gives you nothing. If you do accept. That's their truth. Correct. That's how far their belief system goes. And when you talked about the opinions of the crabs outside, Mm -hmm. that's how doubt works from the crabs. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're going to go from within, none of those started off in there. Somebody put one of those in there and you accepted the offer. You can go back in and decline the offer still. When your dad said you're never going to make it or your dad said you're not worth it, I can go back and decline that bullshit. Because that kills my potential, it kills my dream, it kills my vision, it kills my purpose. But it offered nothing. You know, if you go back and someone says you're not, you're a piece of shit. Well, I can decline that offer because that's not, first off, it's physically not true. And second off, like, you don't know what I'm capable of or what my worth is. So how can you be the end all for the, the, the value assessment? Chris, real talk. If you really, with as much journeying as you have done, had to say how well on a percentage scale do you really, truly know yourself to like the core of your soul, what would your percentage be? Just roughly. Just, we know it's not accurate. It's it's a subjective answer. 80%. 80%. And that's a high ass number too, which isn't still 100% because I hang out with me every day and I'm still learning shit about me all the time. Absolutely. So 80%, that's a high number. That means you've done a lot of self-awareness, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of inner inner work, a lot of inner child shit. You've done all the stuff in here. You've gone in and done work and you know a lot. But even still, you still discover things. You're 80%. That's a high number. Most people aren't even that high. Right? Yeah, I, now, I would agree. Yeah. What would you say with how much you know you compared to how much other people, just, just one of these armchair coaches or somebody else, what would you say the percentage of somebody else truly knowing you is? Oh, I mean, I would say anybody outside of you can barely scratch the surface. Right. Yet, how are they so qualified to measure your worth? Mm. Right. Would you say any, would you say more than single digits that they know about you? No. You'd be lucky if you hit 5% yeah. of what there really is to know yeah. of you. Be lucky. Sure. Yeah. Yet somehow, if anybody, let's just say, pick any topic. I don't care if it's fishing, if it's physics, if it's bowling. I don't give a fuck what it is. Pick anything. If I only know 5% about something, how qualified does that make me to tell others how to do something? <laughs> Not at all. And yet somehow in our life, when we measure our worth on how much value we bring to the table, we allow somebody who knows less than 5% to be the measuring tool for our worth. That's silly. 
They offer nothing, but they'll take everything from you. Uh, that, that, that thought is, it's, this is probably the biggest thing I'm going to take away from this talk. I mean, offers nothing. Right? And Doubt had me down everything. for 20 years. This is why when I write on doubt, this is why when I do this stuff, I have CEOs and millionaires who are like, Rick, fuck me, dude. I'm like, but even crazier is how simple it is to beat them. Mm-hmm. You're like, this, this guy, as soon as you can have the awareness and train yourself to find the choice. Wait, what are you offering me? I'm challenging. What are you offering me? You're like, yeah. I just think it won't work. Are you giving me an improvement? Is there some new paperwork I can file to improve it? Is there some better system? No, I just think it's a bad idea. You're not offering anything. Well, thank you for your opinion. I decline. I had I have coffee with doubt like every morning, man. He cracks me up now. Sometimes I try to help him out. I'm like, you could probably offer a little something to fuck with me. Now, this is not to be confused. This is where just doubt by itself. That's how it works. What people don't often understand, and this gets into advanced training, is that there's combination curses. They team up. Fear, doubt, distractions, excuses, those team up. They team up with denial, bargaining, anger, and depression. They team up. And so here's a tricky one. Remember how, how fear works together with other ones too? Let's go in doubt when it teams up with bargaining. Changes the definition. Doubt offers nothing, but bargaining says, but you could be something if. Mm. This gets into, let's just, uh, oh, yeah, Chris, you know, you're not good enough as you are right now. But you could be if you take this supplement. You could be if you bought this clothing line. You could be, yeah, you could be if you get this exercise equipment for $2,000, then you could be fit and strong. You know, this goes for all things. You're, hey, you're not good enough as you are, but you could be if you buy this $10,000 program for marketing. You're not as good as you are, or as you are, you're not good enough. But you could be if you, you know, took this program. There's a, there's a big difference. And this is where I say challenge everything. And you should challenge me and you should challenge Chris. You should. Everybody should. Are you guys here for transformation or is this just another one for information? And you see a lot of people who want info, but they're not trying to help anybody actually evolve. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's this age of information overload, right? There's so much that we can take in, but we spend all this energy trying to get the next the next thing, right? The next quick fix. But if we're not, if we're not taking action, what is it all for, right? We can fill our heads, we can fill our laptops and our phones with all this, all the podcasts. And but are you actually taking steps forward? Mm-hmm. You know, you could train, you could train for twelve weeks, but are are you actually going to step foot into the ring and and test it, right? Are you or are you going to be, you know, are, are you going to be a subject matter expert or a substance matter expert? Ooh, right. Okay, are you gonna have? Are you gonna have all this information, or are you gonna gain some wisdom by attempting to use this information and learning from the mistakes that you make? I like that. I'm taking that subject or substance. That's powerful shit right there. That's good. I like that. I, and you know, I feel bad because I can't remember where I've heard that, but I definitely didn't come up with that myself. Uh, but I. I need to do a little more research on where that came from, but that's stuck in my mind for years, right? Yeah. Substance matter expert versus 
subject matter expert. I, th- I think that that, that makes uh, so much sense for what's happening right now in the world where everyone wants to tell everybody what to do, but does it have any substance to it or is it just somebody giving their opinion? And again, I think this Marcus Aurelius was a king 2,000 years ago. I'm reading an old quote here. This is back in the time of Jesus. Like, everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. And everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. Yet everyone's an expert. How can everyone be an expert when we all have our own perceptions? What we offer is paths for you to find your way, not tell you what I believe it is, not even addressing your personality, your values, your strengths, your potential, your your dreams, your beliefs. We're not addressing any of that. I'm just telling you what I think it is, but we're completely different warrior types. Like if, if you're a, if you're a, a tank class, you know, heavy, heavy armored, badass frontline motherfucker and the other guy's a mage, you do not fight the same. A barbarian and an archer are not the same thing, but both highly effective. <laughs> different tools for different ranges. Absolutely. In which case, everyone thinks like, well, because I'm a barbarian and I'm like, go, go, go. They're like, I'm trying to go, go, go. But this axe is heavy as fuck and awkward. And I don't understand this outfit. It's un- it's not tactically sound. It's got a lot of exposure to it. And this is stupid. Like, that's not your warrior type, but you're trying to be something you're not. I'll tell you what, a mage shooting a fireball is just as effective as a battle axe swinging in the front line. Be what you are. And yet people will try and say, well, here's what I am. So this is what the subject should be. But they're not offering substance for authenticity for what you are. And people are oftentimes training people based on what they think. Like, this is what I think it should be. But they're only looking at it from one perspective and not open to new ideas. Just saying. Challenge everything. Otherwise, the crabs will pull you down. That's that's just doubt by itself, though, bro. How do you like that one? I I love fighting doubt now. It, it's an everyday battle, bro. Like you said, every single day. He keeps trying. It's just yeah. you get better at fighting it. Yeah. All right. What do you think? You want to go into uh, we got ego or self-talk? Which one's next? I feel like we touched a little bit upon ego. Yeah, we got that first. You want to hit that self-talk? Yeah. because Self-talk I, is a good transition, actually. Let's do that. Yeah. I, I feel like you were bringing a, a lot of it up earlier, you yep. know, just the things that we say to ourselves, right? When maybe somebody gives their opinion on who, who they think we are, then that self-talk, I feel like self-talk dictates all over those other dictators, all those other six dictators. And if you can't be aware of how you're talking to yourself, because what I learned from uh, this book that I read a long time ago, Smart Talk by Lou Tice, hmm. is self-talk guides our reality, right? We we become, you know, and I forgot who said this, but we become what we think about all day, right? I'm sure you've heard that quote. So if we, if we can have kids understand the way that they're talking to themselves will dictate how they feel, and then eventually lead to the actions that they take. The one exercise that I use with the kids is like, think, think to yourself, what if you called yourself stupid every single day? Right. And what, what, what would happen if you talk, woke up every morning and looked in the mirror and said, I'm stupid. Kids raise their hands and they say, well, then I would probably do stupid things. 
Well, yeah, I, I say, I say, yeah, first off, you would feel stupid, right? And what happens when you feel stupid? You, you mimic the behavior. Well, you mimic it with behavior. So the main thing that is important for all of us is to, to guide, right? And I, you know, it's funny that you've been talking about control, not control our self-talk. I would say it's guiding or steering our self-talk to what we want as opposed to what we don't want, right? Instead of calling, instead of saying to yourself, I'm stupid. All right. I might not have the answer right now, but I'll find the way. Mm -hmm. I'll find that answer. Resourcefulness. Yeah. Resort. There you go. Resourcefulness. Or I like to think of it as just having this champion spirit take Mm -hmm. over, right? Instead of saying, oh, this loss is defining me. No, this loss is teaching me a lesson that I'm going to use going forward in my life. That's what self-talk can do for you if you choose. Yeah, man, this is good. Yeah, and like I like that you call it like champ, uh, champion spirit. For us, we call it the war. That's your warrior spirit. It's the same thing. Same thing. Absolutely. That's your warrior talking. That's your champion talking. Like Absolutely. I really love that exercise too, especially for kids. If you wake up every day and call yourself stupid, you'll start acting stupid. But if you wake up every day and call yourself smart, you'll start looking at ways to improve. I'm smarter. I want to get smarter. I'm smart, so I'd like to get smarter. You'll be looking and seeking intelligence instead of looking to create a self-fulfilling prophecy of stupidity. I like that self-fulfilling prophecy for sure. You'll make sure it's true. I'll make sure I'm stupid. Oh, I didn't do my homework. Why? Because I'm stupid. You know, like, I call myself stupid, so I make sure I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. You're like, but no, you're really smart, man. No one's ever called me that. No, I bet if you did your homework, you'd see you're smarter than you think. And you're like, nah, man, I'm going to fail it anyways. Then you must be trying to fail it. You don't want to be wrong, and we can't be wrong against our identity. You're going to make sure you're right. But if you think you're stupid, you'll make sure you stay stupid. And if you think learning is stupid, you'll shame others who try to do better. Man, you're going to go do that homework again? That's a bitch shit. (laughs) Did you just call learning bitch shit? Look at the belief systems that you're operating on that being intelligent is for bitches. Mm -hmm. This is nonsense. Because the intelligent beat the shit out of the strong. What? Listen, real talk. You want? Let me just give this to kids here. Do you think that we're a predator animal or a prey animal? Do I? What do you think humans are? Are humans a predator or a prey animal? That's a good question. Well, let's look. What are the traits of a predator animal? They hunt. I mean, they they look for the weaker animals. Maybe. How about this? What kind of teeth do we have? Do we have sharp canine teeth designed for ripping the flesh off of an animal? No. No. What kind of claws do we have? Do we have razor-sharp talons to rip something apart? No. What kind of senses do we have in comparison to animals in the animal kingdom? Mm. Our senses are trash. Mm. You'll see further. My dog, his nose is a million times stronger than mine. My ears don't turn to sound as easily. Like so we, we pray. We are a prey animal. The only thing that defines us and takes us out of the food chain is this thing, this mind. 
we can create creative ways to make it so that we are not in the food chain. But if you're left out to the devices versus a gorilla, a lion, a tiger, a grizzly bear, an elephant, like we aren't predators. Why do you think it is people scream the way they do when they get scared? Why are people so afraid all the time? We're not a predator animal. We're a prey animal. We're bunnies with bazookas. That's what we are. But you also got to understand that prey animals are also herd animals. We're social creatures. And so isolation is also a really big part of when you're doing self-talk and you're sitting all alone. There is no new information coming in because you're an isolated, I don't know, pick a tough animal, buffalo, water bison. I don't give a shit. Those are tough animals. You ever seen buffalo create a phalanx? No. This is where they create a ring around like the babies or the, the smaller ones. And like they'll make a ring where they're all facing outward and the, the little babies are inside. You know what wolves do as soon as the buffalo do this? They call it because you can't do shit. You're not getting through those things. Those things will trample anything and there's no weak spots. They're like, ah, they got us. We didn't, weren't fast enough. Do you know which buffalo they do get? The one that's all alone. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No matter how tough you are, no matter, you can be the toughest Spartan when you're fighting all by yourself. It's not the same as a wall of shields. And this is the same thing when it comes to self-talk. If you're relying only on what you know and your self-interpretation based on the way that you speak to yourself, I'm stupid. I'm a piece of shit. I'm worthless. You know, I'm not good enough. No one ever cares about me. No, who would, nobody wants to hear from me. Nobody likes to hang out with me. I'm, you know, not fun to play with. You pick it, name it. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. All the yeah. self-talk. When you're isolated, this this storm grows. Now, when it gets to this, I call it shame stacking. I just keep shaming myself. And the difference between guilt and shame, people don't often know the difference. The definition for guilt is feeling bad for something you did or didn't do. The mm. definition for shame is feeling bad for what you are. Mm. And so often I'm a piece of shit. I'm not good enough. No one loves me. Those are shame stacks. This is not feeling good for being, just being. And so when we get into this, this is the recipe for depression. So when we go into the warrior's way on depression, it's prevention before intervention. This means you have to catch the negative self-talk that you're stacking on top of yourself before you get so deep that apathy kicks in. Now, the best friend for depression is doubt. Remember the definition for doubt? Doubt offers nothing but takes from you everything. When you start shame stacking yourself all the way down into apathy, and for those of you who don't know what apathy is, apathy is when you are so bogged down, you don't want to move. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to get off the couch. I don't even want to go to the fucking bathroom. Like, let alone go to work, go to the gym, hang out with anybody. I don't want to do anything. Apathy is when you wake up, and I call it Atlas's burden, where you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And I don't want to move. In which case... You become then the personification of doubt. And what that means is when the definition is doubt offers nothing and takes from you everything, when that happens and apathy kicks in, you become nothing and it takes from you everything. Hmm. You become doubt incarnate. No motivation, no dreams, no drive, no purpose, no care, no concern. Now mix that in with fear. 
and you know you should be doing things that you don't have the ability to do. And that creates a really tough conflict of apathy mixed in with anxiety. And talk about now people have a lot of medication because I know I should be doing a lot and I'm kicking my own ass about it and I can't do anything about it. I have become nothing, but no, I should be something. What a conundrum of being terrible. This is where you need intervention. No different than if you were driving a truck or a car and you hit mud. Well, you know, when you, as soon as you hit it, you're like, oh shit, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. All right, we pulled ourselves out. But if you hit mud and just keep spinning, you're going to spin until the frame hits the ground. And as soon as your frame hits the ground, you're not going anywhere. Then you need a tow truck. You need someone to come and get you. It's the same thing here. As soon as you shame stack and you self-talk yourself all the way down into apathy, you're going to need somebody who's trained to come and get you and pull you out. You need somebody who's going to be there for you and help you work through that self-talk to stop kicking your ass because life is fucking hard enough as it is. It doesn't need you helping to beat your ass. Just doesn't, it's not going to work. There's a quote by Dan Millman. When you face just one opponent and you doubt yourself, you're outnumbered. Mm. Hell yeah, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why? Like who can win against two, two different opponents? Who? Two, two opponents and one of them knows everything about you. Yeah. And you're gonna go right after your weakest spot too. It's a a brutal fight. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Man, that's tough stuff. Yeah, I like that. What if you call yourself stupid every? What if you call yourself smart every day, Mm. or brilliant, or talented, or kind, hardworking? Yeah, thoughtful, resilient. Yeah. What if you called yourself good things? Then what would you start doing? That's a good exercise, man. That's a good exercise for kids, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very simple, and but and it really hits, hit, drives a nail home for these kids. I, I love watching them. Like you can see it in their eyes. They're just like, oh, they get it. That's so good. Yeah. That's a powerful moment, man. Yeah. yeah. What? Are, oh. All right. So I, I feel like the self talk thing. Really paying attention to the awareness of the self talk before you get too deep into it, like. And practicing, you can do, what do you call yourself every day? Good awareness practice. That's a really good one. I want to get into something else for you. You feel like we hit all, we hit all seven, right? I believe so. We fucking, I feel like we combined our powers. You were dropping gold. I was trying to at least add to it. So like, I feel like we got it. Oh, I I feel enlightened by just listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Our powers combined. So in which case, I want to go into some successes for you. I want to talk about here you are, you're going in and you're making a difference in kids' life. What are some of the most powerful moments that you've had doing what you've done? You've been to multiple schools, talked to thousands of kids. How, like, what are some of the, like, man, this, this one moment or this breakthrough on this one? Or give me some of your successes that really made a difference and hopefully bring so, hope. Yeah, I, yeah I, have, I have this one and it, it just, I, I think about it a lot. Like I had a fifth grader teach me something, literally. And we were talking about self-doubt and I go around, you know, the audience and I ask kids, you know, what, what does self-doubt mean before I start giving them my, my story of how self-doubt, uh, over, you know, took control over me. And one day, uh, I don't remember the school is in, in Queens, New York. And this fifth grader said, 
Well, he raised his hand and, and I walked over and I, I gave him the microphone and he said, self-doubt, you know, and he thought about it for a second and he said, self-doubt is when you don't trust yourself. Mm. And I, I was just blown away that a fifth grader had this kind of self-awareness. And ever since then, I've just been like, yeah, that's exactly right. Like you, you don't trust yourself. There's a lack of self-trust or, uh, even, uh, for me in my own journey, like not forgiving myself for some of the mistakes I've made, which can lead to self-doubt. Right. And not, and you mentioned it earlier, not accepting the reality that I have in front of me by saying, Oh, I wish, I wish things were different. Why can't things be, why can't my dad be a part of my life? What did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. You know? So I, I would say that was one moment that will always stick in my head that this fifth grader taught me a little bit more about what self doubt really is. That's awesome. Cool yeah. kid. What a cool kid too. Yeah. And it's awesome. Here's, here's the reality to it. And as much as we're like, wow, that was really great. You know, for that kid to have that level of enlightenment, he's got to go through tough things. Mm. Yeah. Cause a privileged kid probably wouldn't have that answer. Mm. Like, you know, he goes home to a tough place just like wow. we did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is where, like, this is why I enjoy the concept of challenge everything. Even a fifth grader could teach you something. We have to be humble enough to be able to listen. Yeah. Even a fifth grader will teach you something. Why? Not because he's got a PhD. Not because that kid went to a master's program. Not because he's certified. But because he knows what hell feels like. He's walking the path. It's a little warrior right there. I dig it. <clears throat> That's a cool yeah. story, man. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I think about it every day. I, I ask myself, am I trusting myself today? Am I trusting the process, the, the, the journey of life? What happens when you say no? Mm. Yeah, I, I ask myself, how true is this? You know, how true is what I'm thinking? Well, what's, well, what's truth? You know, this yeah, is where we start right. getting into this. Yeah. So you'll, well, you'll know if you really want to hang out with me, uh, I challenge words to the core of the DNA of what they are. And I have people who say they have words that are important to them, but when I have them define their words for me, it's fucking crickets. Mm. Like, so people are like, no, respect is at the core of everything. We're from the streets. I'm like, all right, what is it? Mm -hmm. Well, respect's earned. I'm like, okay, how much of what is earned? I want to do it. How many of what do I have to earn to have your respect? Yeah. Well, you know, it's actually, it just means like, you know, you need to do this and this. I'm like, okay, does it apply to this? Well, yeah, it applies to that too. What about stealing your shit? Yeah, I don't like that. That's disrespectful. All right. What about talking behind your back? Oh, don't do that. That's disrespectful. All right. What about returning your property all fucked up? Oh, don't do that. That's disrespectful. What about cheating on you? Oh, breaking loyalty, disrespect. And you're like, seems like it's everything. What is it? Hmm. Those are all completely different categories, and yet somehow it's the same answer. What is this thing? You know, we get into trust. You said to trust yourself? I want to do it. What is it? How do I do it? Listen, if you ever want to have like a let's break it down to the DNA conversation, we need another three hours. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Just on, on trust alone. Trust, respect. I actually have a, it's, I think it's a, on one of the podcasts I have up where I had a group of guys, I had about 20 guys in just a morning group I had. 
Okay. And I was like, what's trust, guys? Is it earned? Is it given? Like, what is this thing? What is it? And we were breaking it down. It's actually a pretty cool conversation to watch a bunch of guys try and work through what is this thing that's at the core of everything that we operate under. You know, trust, you can't have a relationship without it, but what is it? Hmm. And if this is a base level measurement for the health of our dynamic, I better at least have a rough idea of what it is. Hmm. So what what is your definition of trust? Oh man, uh, you, you got time. Cause like, if we start going down this rabbit hole, it's a rabbit hole. Like, I'm just letting you know, if you want to get in, there's a simple answer, but the simple answer goes down to deeper solutions and different actions. I'm curious. I'm curious. So we, uh, the closest that we got to, at least with respect and trust, these are judgments. It's a measurement system. It's a belief system that we created based on our experiences that we have so far to measure somebody's value that we perceive them to have. Uh, respect gets a little bit more complicated, but trust comes down to at least five levels that we've created for ourselves. First level is base trust. This means like I trust the guy at the store is making my sandwich isn't going to spit in it or some shit. Just base trust. I trust the waiter's not going to mess up my order. Like there's not really any connection. There's not anything there to it. It's just, you know, I trust that, you know, the guy who's taking my order is not going to stab me with a pen. Like I just base trust. This is just, just base level. Like there's just basic observational trust, right? There's no commitment. There's no damage. There's no fear. None of that things yet, you know, then you get into your next level of trust. This gets into like your, you know, kind of like your acquaintance, people you pass by, you know, people, you know, a little bit, you know, like, oh yeah, Hey, you know, the guy who you work with or the, somebody you see often, but you're not really close with, but you know them. They'll know a little bit. They know you're married or they know you got kids, but they don't really know your wife or your kids. Uh, you know, you get to a certain point, but you just, you know, each other, it's acquaintances, right? And then you get to the next level. And these are like, you know, like the next level between like acquaintances, like good. These are like friends. Like that's a friend. Like I can share stuff with them and I go with my deep stuff, but I can share stuff with them and they're cool. They're reliable. They're good to stay around like barbecuing with them. We can bullshit. We can play games together. We can go train together. I like that guy. He's a good dude. We're not hanging out at the time, but I like him. He's a good guy. Right. And then you got best friends. And that's like you got if you got your top five. If you got five, you're blessed beyond fucking blessed. You're blessed to have one or two. These are your people who like these are your ride or dies. These are the ones who like middle of the night, I'm stuck in Ohio. You're like, it's a four hour drive, but I'll see you in four hours. Like it's that those friends, you know, the ones who are like, uh, I got to get rid of this body. They're like, oh, I'll get a shovel. Like those friends, like you only got a couple of those, the ones who will go across country and help you move and shut their business down for two days for you. Those ones. So we have a very few amount of those. And then you got your, your love your love category. And these are the people that you'll trust the most. This is the relationships. And this is why this one hurts the most too, is because you give people the top tier level of vulnerability. I, I have deemed you as person that I'll open my heart to. I'll share anything with, I'll share my life, my resources, my, my body, my soul. I'll share everything with you. I trust you with all of it. And this is why relationships hurt the most, especially people who go in with true authentic love and it just gets disrespected in all categories. It gets disregarded, unappreciated, uh, you know, and treated very poorly. That's why it hurts so damn much. It's because I've given you the maximum level of trust. And then it just got smashed. And so we at least broke it down into like, what level am I giving myself to? Because it's a measurement system that we make up. It's a make-believe measurement system. It's all based on a feeling that I created. 
-hmm. There's no like inches or liters or gallons or miles. There's no measurement. I don't have a unit. Mm -hmm. It's just a feeling that I say, you know what? I like Chris. I'm going to move him up to acquaintance. Uh, now that we've had that conversation, he knows a little about me. I'm moving him up to friend. Hmm. Now that we're close, I'm going to move him up to see like, hey, man, I got some really tough shit. And like Chris always shows up. He always shows up. I'm moving him into my top five. Hmm. You know, and then you're like, that's, that's my best bro. That's my brother. I choose. That guy has never let me down. And I know that if I was in the worst day of my life, that would be the guy who's there. Like, and so how is it earned? It's earned based on a system that we make up. There is no measurement. We make it up as we go along. And based on how much we've been burned or how much that we can trust ourselves is how quickly we're allowed to move people into like a very healthy, beautiful relationship. <clears throat> or we get into our armor. And this is where I have a lesson called your armor. Is it your protection or is it your prison? And so people say like, nah, man, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust nobody. What a waste of fucking time. I ain't trusting shit. You can't hurt me if I don't trust anybody, right? So this is where uh, you can't have bad feelings. I can't get betrayed. I can't be abandoned. I can't be neglected. I can't be rejected. You can't fuck with me. My armor's too strong. I trust nobody. And if you want to get in and you want to get in here, you got to go through the metal detectors. You got to get pat down. You got to do a lie detector test. You got to go through this security checkpoint. You got to go through this thing, a personality test. I, you got to pass all of these layers to get into me because I ain't never being hurt. And you're like, that's funny because you call this protection, but it sounds like prison. Mm. And you call yourself safe from the world. By calling your jail cell safety, mm. here you are blocked off from all the bad stuff, but you're also blocked off from all the good stuff. And you think you're the one who's winning the game. You're an isolated buffalo. Mm. You're isolated. And we're a pack animal. We're social creatures. Mm -hmm. And here you are thinking that you're the brilliant one who locked himself in his own little prison and you're safe and secure from all of the bad feelings that'll get you because you're too tough to trust. Nah, you're terrified of your own fucking feelings. Mm. You're no warrior. Don't tell me you're the toughest because you don't trust anybody. You're terrified. You're fucking scared. And you're going to tell me you're the toughest? Can't follow you, bro. I can't follow a guy in prison. I need to follow a guy who's got a journey. He's on purpose. He's not afraid to say, you know what? That hurts my heart. Or, you know what? I love you, man. Or, I'm proud of you, bro. Mm. Hey, listen, it sucks, but I'm going to go in with you. I want the guy who's strong enough to be vulnerable. Mm. You want to talk about courage. You wouldn't think that being vulnerable makes you stronger, but especially my type eight personalities as the challenger types in the Enneagram. They like, fuck that. Never. I'll never be soft. I'll never be weak. I'll never. It's because you have an avoidance. That's avoid dance, bro. You got that big asshole in your heart that you're scared for people to know that you're really just this hurt little guy who never got loved right, who never got appreciated. No one ever said they're proud of you. And you're scared to let yourself out of prison so that way you can see the world. And you're going to say you're the leader. I'm a stigma, bro. I'm a stigma. You ain't no fucking stigma. You're in jail. That, that inner child. 
right? That inner child has not been allowed to heal and, and grow. They can't find the inner child. He's on the heart yeah. side and people close yeah. that off. It's suppressed. Yeah. So if you think it's logic side, it's not. And if you think it's physical, it's body side, aren't you know, your, your, your physical side, it's not. And if you think it's spirit side, it's not. It's heart side. But most of our guys have to suppress our hearts in order to make it through. And how do we survive with our coping mechanisms, fight, flight, freeze, fawn? How do we do that stuff? We shut all that shit down. The, the greatest enemy of all, it's not doubt. It's not fear. It's denial. Denial is the, it's the Trojan horse, bro. It's the protection system that we use. It's the gangster personality that you had to take on. It's the hard ass who's not really hard. It's the guy who doesn't trust because he's scared as fuck. It's denial. And I didn't think that for the longest time. I thought doubt was the nastiest one. Once I started really working with people in the last like handful of years, I'm like, everyone is stuck with their protection system being inauthentic. And that's their protection, which is denial of the reality of what is. They're at a war with what is every day. Denial's the nastiest one on the game because if you were throwing a party, you'd be worried if doubt showed up and if fear showed up. And if anger showed up and depression showed up, you're like, eek. But do you know who the first one to show up is? It's denial. And he shows up with beer and food and going, this place is a mess. Let's reorganize and let's take all of this stuff and put it in the closet and close it. We're never opening this again. And let's decorate this whole place to look awesome. Everyone's going to love this place. And they're like, this place looks really great. Yeah, but don't open that door because we don't talk about anything in there. Wow. And it, it shows up as your best friend to protect you. It's the mask that we wear, the athlete mask, the aggression mask, the alpha mask. Lewis Howes talks about this stuff. Actually, I think I was reading that one again recently. The Lewis Howes book, Mask of Masculinity. Oh. He gets into all the different masks, the stoic mask, the material mask, the sexual mask, the joker mask. The personas that we put on to portray ourselves as something better than we really are. Denial is the nastiest motherfucker out of all of them. And if you want to get into the last piece, and you knew this at 15, I can't accept the reality of my life because it hurts too damn much. So I need to go into anything that brings me pleasure. And what comes in through your pleasure system? That's distractions, bro. Here, actually, I'm going to share you this, and you're going to, this is something I'm going to, I'll share with you, and you're going to be like, all right, cool. What is that? Um, Oh, this system is complicated for my setup. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Let's talk about, this is my map, bro. This is how we operate uh, for like the, the humanity part of this. Hopefully the screen opens up. So when it gets into the different pieces of us, when you go into the denial aspect, hey, screen share work. Screen window. Go. Oh, it says I can see. Unable to subscribe. Uh, maybe the internet's not showing up fast enough for it. Mm. Well. All right, here it comes. No. Is it working? It didn't work. No, no. I'll share it with you later. It's it's this thing right here. So I'll I'll share the image okay. with you. You can't see oh, it here. Well. This is too far away. But I'll share it with you because it gets into the whole side over here. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It denial when it teams up with the other part of pleasure. I need to feel good. And distractions comes in as feel good. 
could be a notification on your phone. It could be shopping online. It can be watching Netflix. It can be social media. Anything that's giving you your dopamine rush, right? Right. But this also goes into drinking to feel good. Prescription drugs, you know, starts getting into not eating or eating, you know, for, you know, I need to feel good. I need to look good. This gets into eating disorders, uh, emotional eating, sweets and all that stuff. Uh, it can go on and on. Go into porn, go into workaholic, become working more and keeping yourself busy. This goes into like achievement systems. Well, this is your pleasure system. Go even into exercising and, and fitness. Right? Absolutely. Anything, 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 but everything without moderation in the distraction world. Right. Well, this is the recipe for addiction. I can't accept the reality of what I have and I need to feel good in any way, shape or form, regardless of how much it tears me apart. These two come in through your pleasure system. Denial protects you and distraction wants you to feel good. If you read the Bible, it's also how the devil works. He always offers what you want the most of. Whether it be Jesus or Eve, it doesn't matter. He offers whatever you want the most. He's going to offer you good things. That's why it's always funny when people are like, the, man, the deceiver, he's trying to get you. He's going to deceive you by having you choose what you want, not come up with red spanks and a pitchfork going, give me your soul. He's going to be like, how much do you want to drink? It's free. How many girls do you want to meet? They're free. I got you. You see these ring girls? I know them, man. I'll bring them home with us. Who's your favorite fighter? Some of my buddies. I'm going to his house later. You want to come and meet them? You're like, oh, shut up. They're like, yeah, come meet them. Drinks are free. Drugs are free. The girls are free. Everything you want, man. It's all there. And no charge. I got you. How much do you want? You can have as much as you like. And you're like, yeah, but my wife and my kids and my business and my purpose, that's, that's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Just let's go do all of this stuff, too, because yeah. you like it. It's fun. The devil comes in through pleasure because doubt sets off the alarms. Something's wrong. Fear sets off the alarm. Something's wrong. Excuses sets off the alarm. If somebody tries to challenge you, you'll get a negative response. Mm -hmm. But distractions comes in through pleasure. When you start seeing anger, you know what an angry guy is. This is your grieving system. Anger, you know what angry looks like. You know what sad looks like. You see depression. Bargaining, fucking fairy tale land. Hard to believe. Like, yeah, you don't see it at all. You're nuts, dude. You're out there. But denial, we can accept as reality. That's how, that's the persona. It's the badass. It's the cool guy. It's the stoic. But it's not authentic. It's a mask, like you said. Huh? This is where it gets tricky on these things because you see people going through the, the dictators on this one, but the dictators all put together create your persona. And that's the hardest one when your belief system around your identity is, I am what they told me I am. Mm -hmm. And if we do not challenge everything, you're going to be stuck with these seven dictators the whole entire time because you won't be able to fight them because you can't stop being what you believe you are. Mm -hmm. And even if you say, it's like, I don't care if it's something like quit smoking. If my name is Rick the Smoker. And I'm like, you've been quitting smoking. It's like, I keep trying, man, but I can't. I'm Rick the smoker. How do I stop being that? Be Rick the non-smoker? You'll be stuck forever, man. Well, it's interesting. Like, 
the self-talk leads to the vision that you have of yourself. And mm-hmm. if you don't change that vision of what you have, what you see of yourself, you, you'll keep perpetrating what's in, what's in your subconscious, right? That vision that I'm a smoker, right? You can make all the attempts. You can, you know, try all the band-aid fixes, but if you see yourself as a smoker, you'll keep coming back to that. If you see yourself as being poor, you'll keep coming back to that no matter how much money, you know, how much abundance comes into your life. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. Bro. That's what happens to lottery winners. That's why, like, there's some lottery winners that are like, oh, no, I won the lottery. They're like, I'm not touching that money <laughs> because it, it just amplifies the behavior you have now. And if you were poor before, yeah. you're going to do that on a large scale. Mm. That's a good call. If your identity is around something, you'll make sure. Again, it's self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm-hmm. If I believe it is true, I will make sure it is. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting stuff, man. This is cool, man. Hey, I hopefully we covered all. We're three hours in, man. It's up to you. You want to keep going, or you feel good? Like, like no, I, I I would love to, but definitely. I mean, I enjoyed this. Like, you dropped some knowledge on me, bro. But yeah. I think uh, I think I need to uh, take a little break. A little well, we just dropped about four decades of information <laughs> on people. So in order for somebody to truly gather, because you were dropping a lot of gold in here, and I don't Appreciate think that, that people would really grasp it until you can go back and review and listen. Because like even when I'm writing, I know what you're saying. And I'm like, these are deep things that you're putting out there. But a lot of people won't catch the depth until they start doing the action. And so one thing I would recommend is if you got young guys and young, young kids out there, how can people get you in their school? How can they get you in front of their kids? Like, what do we got to do to make it so you can be like so, where you need to be? Literally just write to my website, contact me on my website, chrisromulo.com. And I will, we'll figure out how to, how, what, what I call youth empowerment, how I can get into your school and, and empower your kids the best way possible to help them understand that, that we're born with a champion spirit and that the dictators cover, cover us up sometimes. But all I am is just that traveler to help you, you know, help you dust yourself off, you know, and get back in that fight. Yeah. And how can they hear more? What about the podcast for champ up? Like how can they get more? Yeah, Champ Up Podcast. We're on Spotify and iTunes. And I've taken a little break, a uh, little break from social media. So not so much on social media, but I would say definitely uh, the podcast and let go right to the website. Well, you got almost 60 episodes, so they can catch yeah. up quite a bit with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Very awesome. Well, Chris, it's always an honor. I appreciate hanging out with another brother, man. It's good to see another guy who's in the in the fray, in the fight, trying to fight. Um, I work with a lot of times the dads and the business owners and the men. Uh, it's awesome to see someone going, we got to get them before their curses become their identity. Mm-hmm. And it's an honor to see you out there fighting on the front line, man. Thank you I so much for that, what man. you do. Thank you, man. Thank you, Rick, man. Uh, and, and thank you for for the enlightenment, man. You You've took... You took my thoughts to a whole nother level. If it makes what you do stronger together, that's what we are. We're always stronger together. So if you can take my own stuff and turn it into something authentic so that you can help more kids out of hell, it's an honor to give you what I have. Appreciate it. Let's do that. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> Keep in touch with me. Message me whenever you want. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be doing more. And I have a feeling we got another podcast somewhere inside of us to do. <laughs> cool. I'm open. 
Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Have a good one, and I appreciate you for all this. All right, Rick. Click on the button, and you can become the hero in your own story. It's time to start making the choices to change, and the evolution that you're going to do begins with choosing the next step. This is the way, and together, we're always stronger.